how about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Monday Night. Welcome to live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and live on Twitch, if you can believe it. This is episode number 106 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us. Take just a moment, if you would, please. Share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups and let everyone know we are live. As always, from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, and let's remind everyone once again of the beautiful new packaging for the Undercrown lines. The new 25-count design is more compact and shelf-friendly, enabling premium cigar retailers more shelf space inside their humidors. These new boxes will roll out for all Undercrown lines, including Undercrown Shade, Undercrown Sungrown, and the original Undercrown Maduro. A decade ago, the staff at the Drew Estate Factory realized they had to reduce their consumption of Liga Pravada No. 9 cigars in order to keep up with consumer demand. These hardworking men and women in Esteli then created their own signature cigar to enjoy. Constructed with many of the same rare tobaccos found in Liga Pravada, the grassroots Undercrown Cigar brand debuted, followed by Undercrown Shade, and then the Undercrown Sungrown. These new boxes for Undercrown Shade, Maduro, and Sungrown are shipping now for more info please visit drewestate.com so again welcome thanks so much for joining us on episode number 106 of how about that cigar live as you can see it is just me here in the drew estate cigar studios and garrett is coming to us from a secret remote location well and just at that split second is when garrett's internet connection goes of course. Um, yes, I am coming to us from Woodbury, Minnesota in my garage, my very cluttered garage. Well, even though you can't be live in studio, because I know you had a ton of uh, family uh, errands and things like that to uh, you know run around doing and you wouldn't be able to make it to the studio in time for the show to go live. I'm still glad to have you. Obviously, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're part of the show. So not having you on the show would not be a good thing. So I'm glad you're with us, even though, even though you're remote. Yeah. Uh, what my, uh, uh, my youngest leveled up to 13 today. So, uh, we were out doing, um, birthday, birthday celebration. Nice. So but glad I can be here. your youngest is now a teenager. How does that feel? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, uh, yeah. because on one hand, yeah, you, you know, want your <clears throat> kids to get the hell out. Um, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, you, you love them yeah. and you want, love to watch them grow. And, and it's incredible at the same time. Uh, it's a reminder of how you are and that's not okay. Yeah. Um, so I really don't want to discuss what some of the things we normally discuss at the top of the show because the 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 Minnesota Wild are they're they're either really great or they're really terrible and they had they had their worst performance of the entire history of the Minnesota Wild a couple nights ago where we got we got slaughtered nine to one by uh, by the Blues and which was right after one of the greatest performances yes. Yes, so it's they are either Feast red hot or ice or cold. Famine. Yeah, it's uh, and their their record shows it. I mean, they're still the record is still okay in the division, but mm -hmm. it's we we keep beating the teams we're supposed to lose to, and losing to the teams we're supposed to beat. 
Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. So the with consistency like that, I look I look at the playoffs and I think, okay, uh, first round knockout. That's you know once again we'll make it to the first round of the playoffs and we'll get walloped and then we'll say it's a rebuilding year next year. We'll just do it all over again. Yeah. So, um, and we'll uh, we so. Uh, Minneapolis, for those of you who know, Garrett and I are in, in Minnesota in the Twin Cities area, suburbs of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, Minneapolis and most surrounding areas, including the areas where we live, uh, are on uh, lockdown slash curfew uh, for some, unfortunately, uh, riotous activities going on in the city. Uh, there's some, uh, there's some, been some shootings today and some riots, some mini riots and hopefully it won't brew into anything worse and everything will just, everybody will just calm the flip down and, and just be reasonable. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but just, uh, you know, hold up some good thoughts for our, our good people here in Minnesota. So, um, and the, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, our beloved Minnesota twins with our, when we bring on our special guest, but um, I won't say feast or famine for the twins. I'll say more feast than famine, but we're only, we're only what nine games in. So, you know, it's a, they've had a very good start. I think yeah, um, to be second place, you know, uh, nine games in really isn't saying much. Yeah. It's, it's really early, but I have enjoyed watching them play. I think the way they've been playing so far is is encouraging for uh, what the rest of the season is going to bring, and I'm uh, I'm excited that baseball is back, and hoping that uh, my family and I can make it to at least one game. But tickets are going to be hard to come by because they're only opening up opening up ten thousand seats a game. So, um, but we should be able to make it to one or two. I hope we'll see. Not till it's warmer though. I don't want to go watch baseball in the snow. Uh, that is uh, affirmative. Yeah. I am also not a fan of that. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get ready now, guys, and bring on our special guest of the evening. And as always, on How About That Cigar Live, special guests are brought to us by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please, it is time to put your hands together for our guest this evening on episode 106 of How About That Cigar Live from Cigar Coop. Cigar Coop himself, Mr. William Cooper. Welcome to the show, brother. Matt, Garrett, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, and I didn't even say it to you guys before the show, but I hope everyone's safe up there. You know, it's a very tough situation going on in Minnesota, so uh, everyone stay safe up there. 
yeah, we appreciate that. That's yeah. what we're hoping for as well. We just want everybody to be be safe and reasonable and and yep. uh, just uh, happy and and healthy. That's what we're that's what we're yeah. hoping for. So. Yep. Yeah, you know, I know you guys did a show last year about, you know, the community situation up there. And hats off to you guys for doing that. That's in your backyard, and it's something very important. And I think you guys getting a message out there. Uh, you did a very good job last year on that, too. Oh, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So for uh, uh, for episode 106, uh, you know, it's it's been uh, uh, like we were talking about a little bit before we went live. We're, we just came to the end of... The first quarter of 2021, uh, and and after a, a very strange 2020, and so we kind of want to check in and just just talk a little bit about you know what we see from the cigar industry right now, what we see after you know the first quarter. There's some cool uh, stories going around the industry right now, and some still some unknowns definitely because you know coronavirus. Obviously, it's not just like January 1st hit and everything was okay. Uh, you know, there's still some still some unknowns out there and some things like that. So we, we just want to, uh, you know, pick your brain a little bit because we've, we've said this so many times and you know, you, you are, you are that, that person in the industry that we rely on for the, the latest news and insight and things like that. And that, that's a genuine statement. We really, uh, you know, you, you're one of those people with that encyclopedic knowledge that, that you don't even have to Google it. You just know it. So we uh, I appreciate that, <laughs> and, and we really we like having you on just so we can uh, kind of get some of the because we may get the surface details, but you you tend to know the stories behind the stories that we don't necessarily uh, that we're not necessarily privy to, and that that helps us get some better context of kind of some cool stuff going on in the industry. Okay. So uh, let's let's actually go around the table first uh, and talk about what we are. Uh, smoking and drinking this evening. So, uh, Garrett, tell us what you have uh, fired up right now. Well, if we can get some focus here, I've got, I think you can pretty much tell what that is. I've got yeah. the uh, the Tyrannical Buck by JSK. Very nice. Very, Very nice. nice. Yep. And um, I am drinking. Is that the Connecticut? This is the Connecticut. Yeah. Ballsy Connecticut. It's got some pop that Connecticut. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, it doesn't just he doesn't just say that. It delivers a pop. Yeah. Uh and Coop, what have you uh what have you got fired up to start out the show? You know, I went with the Room 101 Farce Maduro. Um this is a, a cigar Matt released a couple years ago. I know you guys had Matt on for episode one hundred. So I was kind of thinking about that. Um I think this I you know, I was waiting for Matt for a long time to come out with a true Maduro. I think he's done a really, really good job with this. Uh, this out of Ventura Factory, and I think it's one of the better cigars he's released since he kind of came back after the split from Davidoff. So, uh, just an excellent chocolatey type of uh, cigar with just the right amount of spice in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, uh, I reached. I have a few things here, uh, depending on how long the show goes. Just you know, if I need three or four cigars, I've got three or four cigars here. But I started out with the uh, the HVC 500 anniversary, mm. the original release. That's the best one. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I yep. agree. Yep. Um, and I think this might be my last one. So it's a good night to savor the last uh, the last one from this box. Yep. So, um, Coop, like we said, we got some industry stuff, you know, that we want to check in on. Uh -huh. you know, 
on Q1. But but before we get to the cigar industry stuff, you know, we're all baseball fans here. Uh-huh. And there were a couple interesting things that happened on the Sunday night games last night. Uh, okay. A couple Sunday night games. One of them involving your Phillies. Okay. There's a little bit of a controversial play uh, at home plate, if you remember. I don't know yep. if you saw that. Yep. So, I, yeah, I, I didn't see it live because I was listening to the game, but I, I did watch the replay. Yeah, I watched it. I watched the, uh, uh, if you're familiar with John Boy Media, they do they, they do a lot of stuff on YouTube yeah. and things like that. And and I watched his breakdown of it and from multi, all the camera angles and everything. Yep. Um, so in, in the end, they ended up giving the, uh, they ended up giving the run to the Phillies. They said right. he tagged. So what's your take on that? We probably got a gift on it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it any other way. Yeah. We it got happens. a gift. It, we got a gift on it. It happens, and guess what? There's going to be one that goes against our way later down the road, and vice versa for the Braves. Um, so, look, this is why I don't get like, people. This is why I don't get bent out of shape when when a, a, a ref or an ump call goes against me, because sometimes it's going to come back and we're going to get a gift <laughs> that we shouldn't have. We got that gift tonight, so last night. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think we probably got a gift on that. When I went back, you know, the announce. I was listening to the home announcers, and, and you got no. The Philly home announcers are as homer as it get. I got no knowledge. <laughs> you, you wouldn't notice any controversy, right? But when you went back, you know, when I heard it and you went back and watched the replay, we got a gift there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I will say this too that the I mean the the umps have a thankless job. They do. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're still I still expect them as a baseball fan and the people who manage the teams and play on the team, they should expect a very high level of of uh of, of performance and accuracy out of these umps. But that was a very, very tough call because from the, it was, it was, from, if you look at all the camera angles and, and you look at where, where that, um, where that home plate umpire was standing, that had to be a very difficult thing to see because of the angle when his, when, when that one sp- spike on his heel caught the, caught the dirt just before it sort of skidded over home plate. I can see from his angle where it looked like, it it actually touched home plate, but it didn't. Yeah, so I get I, it. I, I yeah, yeah, I get it too. Uh, you know, when you look at some of the other angles, yeah, that's why I'm saying, um, you know, it that's the case. You know, and yeah. this is why I'm not a big fan of instant replay in sports or anything like that either. I, I just don't think uh, it makes that. I don't think. It, I think all it's done is add to the level of aggregate aggravation. Is what I've yeah, seen because they they reviewed it and still got it wrong. <laughs> which, which, and it happened. Yeah. It happened. But but it was not as egregious as some other plays that they've reviewed, and it's been so obvious that it, they need to overturn a call. I mean, beyond obvious that they need to overturn a call, yet they leave it as it stands. It's but this one yeah. was definitely more difficult to call. And look, just because I'm taking this kind of a little bit of a nonchalant and, and stance on it, doesn't mean the ump shouldn't be held accountable for this either. Like, look, this mm-hmm. they, you know these guys should be graded and scored. And when yep. it comes to, I don't know if there's performance bonuses or getting into the playoffs, these are the things that I have to go against them, too. Yeah. 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 And so for for Garrett and myself, um, the Sunday night game, uh, it was our third game in the series against the Marlins. Uh, no, the Mariners. Sorry. Mariners. Mariners. Yeah. Um, so uh, what was it, Garrett? At one point, we had a... Six nothing lead. Yep. And how did that game end up? 
Well, let's see. Uh, I mean, going into the ninth inning, we actually looked really good. Yeah. Yeah, we looked real good. And yeah. then um, um, just like <laughs> opening, just like opener, our closer and some feeling errors and it, it we look like the uh well our starter got rocked yep. it wasn't the eighth inning it was the it was like the sixth oh or was it the sixth maybe maybe the sixth or seventh but our starter got rocked okay so it we uh, so we went from a six to nothing lead to a eight to six eight loss to six. yep yeah that was and our bullpen also uh, that yeah, our bullpen has been lackluster. Our starters have actually been um, Barrios has been pretty fantastic. You know, on his his two starts, he's been pretty great. Uh, Pineda has been good. I worry about Pineda not right now. I don't worry about him now. I worry about him in July and see if seeing if he's going to get charged with another PED. You know, right. that's when you worry about Pineda. So well, and then, you know, and I worry about Buxton, you know, um, I think a healthy, a healthy Buxton, yeah. I think is key yes. to a playoff run. I agree. Um, and he's, he's done really fantastic. He's, he's yep. starting the season really well, but I agree. He's got to stay healthy and he's getting older. Yep. So uh, we'll see how it goes. And Sano is losing a little, little bit of luster. Do you know, here's what, so here's my prediction. Sano is exactly where Big Poppy was before he left Minnesota. Yeah. The, the parallels are uncanny. I agree. They really are. Yeah. And so my prediction is that next season, Sano goes somewhere else and is Big Poppy 2.0 because yeah. we know he's got the raw talent. He does. He does. Um, we'll see how it goes for the rest yeah. of the season. But you guys have been competitive, though. Um, yeah. You know, the, the four losses you had, you have you had four tough losses that you you didn't get like destroyed really in any of those games. Um, and here's the thing: relief pitching's been so down in the major leagues right now. If you got the starting pitching right now, and this is going to be the Phillies' problem because I don't think they have the starting pitching. Those are the teams that are going to really be contending in October this year. If you're going to have right. to have the starting starting pitching is going to be very important this year. Yeah, because relief pitching is so bad right now. Very true. Yeah, true. Uh, and we start a we start a uh, three game series against uh, our friend Bears beloved Red Sox tomorrow night. So unfortunately, tonight's Sox, game. Yeah, they had to postpone tonight's game, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they. Yeah, they yeah unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and the Red Sox are starting out really well. They're doing. I think they're playing. Surprise. Well, they haven't played fantastic teams, but still, I think they're actually performing well as a baseball team. Early. I on. think. The, I think the AL East is really down this year, and 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 a team like Boston, if they catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And you know, and I've I've said this about the Yankees. When are the Yankees going to produce? I mean, we've been hearing three years on this team and nothing, right? Yeah. They haven't produced, so I think it could be a little bit of a down year for the Yankees this year too. I just have this. I've, I yeah. think 2019 was their year, and they let it slip by them. Yep, I agree. I think they let it slip by them, and I, I agree. Think, I think it's going to be another couple of years before yeah. they're back to that yeah. form. Yeah, so Boston could be dangerous in like a very tight division race, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
which I didn't expect. That wasn't something I thought. I thought Boston was going to have a terrible year, but they're proving me wrong right now. And for all the baseball fans watching right now, leave your team in the comments. Let us oh, know yeah. who you're rooting for. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Coop, about the cigar industry, I mean, you know, it's a cigar show. So right, we'll right. Talk a little, we'll talk a little we'll bit. We'll talk a little cigars, yeah. So, you know, it's it's. I can't believe it's already April 2021. The um, it's it seems like ever since the whole pandemic thing started a year ago, a little over a year ago, and we, everybody started working from home and you know not really going a lot of places, that time has actually been moving really fast. And part of that's also probably just because the older I get, the faster time seems to move. But qu quarter one in in twenty twenty one seemed like it like flew by, like it's barely a blink. But yeah. there were some there were some actually kind of significant things that were were announced in in Q1 and and even kind of we'll we'll bounce a little early into early Q2. Yeah. Um but you know going back to the beginning of the year um there've been some really interesting things that we've seen come up in the in the cigar industry but but also just what has what's your viewpoint of of just the early part of the year what you're seeing overall from an industry standpoint as far as communications um uh you know the the level of optimism in the in the business from a business standpoint uh regulatory stuff what is your what is your viewpoint of kind of the overall picture in the industry early this year um yeah so let me give you a, a, a couple points uh here and hopefully i can won't go all over the place. So starting off, you know, we lost all the festivals this year, which yeah. was a bit, which was a, it's a big thing when we lose the festival. We lost, we lost the Pro Cigar, Pro Sabor, and Habanos Festival. That's the first time that's ever happened. So really, you know, and then from a media standpoint, that's when a lot of the factory tours happen, and from consumer points, that's when a lot of factory tours. So that part kind of, you know, that was we got off to a little bit of a malaise on that, right? We were in that kind of the, the pandemic was getting to its peak, right? Um, and then kind of spring came and, you know, the vaccines start coming in and I'm seeing really for the, I think really April 1st, for the first time I'm seeing the companies back on the road again, for the most part, there's still some companies not on the road, but you're, you're seeing that now I'm getting the air, I'm getting the airplane pictures. So that's yeah. a big, so it's a, that's actually a really good gauge I'm getting to say, I wasn't getting any airplane pictures last year. So I'm starting to see the airplane pictures right now. Um, so I think that that's a that's a good thing that we've seen that that there's some momentum picking up there right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we've had we've had that standpoint. Regulatory wise, it's early, but you know there is a new administration, and they have to start from ground one again with this new administration. And there's a new Congress, and they're having to start it from ground one again with that right now. Um, I think we're going to have some real challenges on the regulatory end. I mean, you know, I was talking with Charlie Minato. He was actually on one of our shows, and he made an excellent point. He said, look, if we couldn't get anything done with the White House, with a president, but he was very much anti-regulation. If we couldn't get anywhere with that, right, I don't know how we're going to get anywhere with now the new administration. I mean, it's just which is going to favor a much more regulatory approach. So it's going to be more challenging, which means we're going to have to rely on the courts a lot more. 
and we're going to have to be fighting these battles in Congress right now. Yeah. So I think there's some real challenges we have coming up. I think you're going to see, we're starting to see a little bit already. There's, they're going for tax. Um, which is why um, they broke on Lupin because to fund a lot of these COVID programs, they're going to go tax, and tax is going to go right for uh, tobacco. Yeah, it's. I, I agree with you that the the courts are going to be more of a player because um, when it comes to regulations and and things like that, then. That's when, because last year, the focus shifted, regardless of administration, I, I think at least, the, the focus shifted so much towards coronavirus and, and all that, that they weren't really concerning themselves with a premium cigar exemption and whether or not premium yeah. cigars should be regulated with other tobacco products. That wasn't, it was the furthest thing from the mind of pretty much every lawmaker in Washington. Last. Yeah. Um, and now that things are opening up and they're put and there's a new administration and they're and they're going to focus back on some of the maybe regulatory things that that they they think they need to accomplish as lawmakers, whether I agree with it or not, they that's going to get more lawyers involved. And when you get more lawyers involved, mm -hmm. that it. increases your expenditures by. 20, 30 times. So the expenditures yeah. coming that are going to need to be funded by groups like the PCA and the CRA and things like that are, they're going to go up a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought some of the reaction of the industry has been interesting, right? Like, it seems like, and I guess I pick on these guys a lot, right? The BCA, the Boutique Cigar Station, just took their feet off the gas and said they almost feel like they've won something. Like, and you talk to the, like, the other companies, I've, I've had this conversation numerous times with Jose Blanco. It's like, look, the war has just begun. We want a battle, but the war is still going on. We can't take our foot off the gas right now. Um, so um, that kind of surprised me a little to see that, uh, especially from the smaller companies. So and I don't know if the BCA speaks for all the smaller companies, but that still surprised me a lot. Because um, I would think right now is, hey, if you won the battle, kind of go with the momentum here. This is a great opportunity to push forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the early on, if I remember right, in in 2021, um, the the TAA festival announced that they were going to cancel, like yeah. like so many other you know things canceled. But they just, if I remember right, they just recently announced they're going to push it and reschedule it for October of this year. Yep. So, so they. Yep. That's a. I I think if if they can pull it off, I think that's a good thing. October isn't necessarily a good month of the year for you know for things like uh farm tours and factory tours necessarily but that's not really necessarily what taa is about no taa is a buying club is really what right. it's about right so uh that's why you know and they they haven't had a convention in over a year over two almost two years so what they did is they had a virtual one where they introduced the TAA exclusives and they, they do the Dream Machine, which is the bulk buying, which is really why the TAA exists. And they moved to October. And what's kind of interesting about that move is you guys have heard, and I, I think Pete said this maybe on, no, he said it on one show. I don't think it was your show. But Pete's even saying, he, you know, he, you know this, 
he's not sure about July. I mean, he didn't sound like he was giving a, a big endorsement that the show is going to happen in July. And there's been the buzz around the industry that they're supposedly an October date out there. Um, now, you're going to put that show right up against TAA? That's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of manufacturers. Right. Because I've heard manufacturers who, aren't t- who don't sell to the TAA, they're frustrated by it because a lot of their retailers spend a lot of their budget on the TAA and have little budget left for them. Yeah. So I don't see that working real, a really good move to move it at this point. If maybe I think it's still the best option is just to go through with the July date. And we're only talking 13 vendors, right, for TAA? There's only 13 of them? No, there's a probably there's some that there's thirteen who are doing the cigars, let's say. Yeah. But there are some that sell products at TAA that don't necessarily release a TAA cigar. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. If I think at this point, I mean, I I, I think anything is possible considering the environment that the whole world is in right now. But based on everything that I've heard from that, that we've heard from Scott Pierce and some other people in the industry. He was emphatic on your show. Yeah. He was emphatic on your I show. Think about... the, I have a, I have my, sorry, you broke up a little there, Coop. What was that? He was emphatic about the show happening in July on your show. Right. Right. That's yeah. When he was on, he, I mean, he was, he was, uh, and it's, and I understand at some level, and I'm, I'm not putting words in his mouth here, but, at some level, because of the position that he's in and the role that he plays with PCA, he has to have that. He has to project that level of optimism, even if he's got to sell it. He has to sell. Yeah, it. So that's his job. Exactly. And I understand that. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, I, I, for whatever reason, I, I still have, I, I do have a high level of confidence that the show is still is still going to take place. During the originally scheduled dates in yeah, I do too. July. I'm going- now, whether whether or not that means the venue is going to stay the same, I don't know. It probably will because from a contractual standpoint, that I, I don't see how that can change between now and July. It's too soon. It's too it's too it's too close for them to cha- make any kind of venue change. Yeah, um, I agree. And so I think that's I, I have a high level of confidence that the the show is still going to go on. Now, one of the things we talked about with Scott is that we're still on the fence as far as whether or not HBTC is going to participate in PCA this year. Uh, I, we're not ruling it out, but it's still just an uncertainty for us um, because it needs to be from from a pure business standpoint for us. It has to be we have to get return on investment to for that. And um, the, I know there are a lot of intangibles when it comes to ROI for for what we do as media. But um, it's it's still it's, it's something that we weigh very closely, just making sure that it's it, it's beneficial to us and the people that we cover. That's a real smart way to put it as far as ROI, because people just they don't get the ROI thing with the media. They think the ROI is getting a free sample. And <laughs> and, and, and here's the difficulty that a lot of us have right now is, you know, how do I fund going there as I sell a sponsorship? I've had to get a little creative right now with my existing sponsor because um, you know, last year I had to get a little creative with some stuff and I'm probably going to have to do it again this year if the show cancels. So, I mean, the worst thing you guys do is fund this thing, right? And then you can't, you can't deliver for that sponsor. Right. Right. So you have a real challenge. If that uncertainty, 
it, it creates a, it creates a real problem. I understand what you guys are going through with that. That's totally yeah. reasonable on that well, right now. And we didn't. We had planned on the whole time, uh, pretty much from from late 2020 to just a couple of weeks ago. We were not planning on going to TPE at all. And a couple of weeks ago, you know, I started seeing more stuff in my inbox from some people at TPE. Basically, it was it was too attractive to not go. They they put a very good. They did that last year as well, and I think they're doing it again this year. It is very attractive to go. And um, then, and then after I saw all that from the people at TPE, then just on a on a a lark, I go I go on Google and I start looking at flight prices, and that was that just sealed it. I said, "Yeah." But we got nonstop nonstop round trip flights for basically nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and. And so I said, okay, we're going. And Garrett's going to go on the on a plane for the first time in his entire life. Wow. I mean, I was, I was in my 20s when I went on my plane for the first time. So um, Garrett's yeah, I was, a little uh, older, maybe. I was 20 years old the first time I flew. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll say this about TPE. They, I'm not going this year, and it's not because of TPE. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like, you know, I'm kind of getting back into on the road. I'm vaccinated now. Uh, I had to kind of prioritize something. It's just too tight a window to do it. But it's not because the TPE has not been welcoming or does a good – they do a fantastic job. And I I felt like because they're a media company that's behind this, they understand how to deal with media better than the PCA. Where the PCA does – they don't have media people. But who owns uh, the TPE? It's Tobacco Media Group, which has all those publications. Right. They're they're fantastic. I mean, and not only that, their people were helping us. Like when I interviewed Carl Malone last year, Antoine Reed was like in the middle of covering the show, is doing logistical stuff for me, which he didn't yeah. have to do. I I really want to support that show. I'll, I'll cover that show as much as possible remotely. It's just unfortunately I cannot make it happen this year, and I I do feel right. bad about that. No, and it's understandable. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and you with and and. Your circumstances from, and I'm not going to divulge any specifics, but your circumstances from a health perspective are are different than a lot of ours. Yes, and, and we completely understand and respect that. And and you've got to you've got to keep yourself and your family safe. No, I do appreciate it. I'm doing great, but I do have you know I I have a little bit of immune history. As yeah. Folks made over years ago, so I'm being a little extra careful. But yeah. um, mm. but yeah. So you know, funny if TP was like four weeks later. I know it would be terrible against PCA, but I'd be able to go. It wouldn't even be a case that I'd be able to do this. But I'll be back in January when they have it. So uh, whether they give me an incentive to go or not, I'll go. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about some smaller, smaller festival-type things that some are still on the fence as far as whether or not they're going to happen? Did you ever really do much with smaller festivals like Rocky Mountain and – uh, great smoke and stuff like that. Typically, the one I go to is Great Smoke. Okay, um, it's in Florida. I have a relationship uh, with Abe through KMA Radio, so I've gone to like five or six of them, um, and it doesn't involve me having to get on a plane. Um, so typically, the only problem with the, with Great Smoke is it's up against the festival a lot of times. So sometimes I've had to miss it, or I've had to travel from the Great Smoke to the DR or or Nicaragua or something like that. Yeah. So uh, it's a Rocky Mountains. Just it's in the Midwest. 
Um, I want to go. It's a great festival. The problem with Rocky Mountain is, for me, it doesn't. It goes back to ROI again. I just usually it's right at the PCA, right? And most of the people who go there are from Florida. They're in my backyard, and I could get to Florida, you know, in seven hours. Yeah. You know, Miami is about ten, but but even, or if I fly, it's quicker. So I and typically my my years I go to Florida. Four, four times a year. So that's the problem with Rocky Mountain is do we really need to go to a festival and collect, gather a bunch of cigars? I, you know, I want to support the festival. I think they're good guys and there's good vendors, but it's a tough ROI for me to, to, to do, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, and festivals are bad places to do interviews. I, I, yeah. I don't let anyone, because they're crowded. I mean, there's a lot of people that there's a lot of customers are dealing with. You think PCA's crowded? Try a festival. They're dealing with a lot more consumers than retailers. Yeah, and I don't see... I mean, PCA and, and even, I mean, TPE, we haven't been to before, but, but just seeing coverage of it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a trade show yeah. where the festivals are, it's a different vibe. It's a, it's, it's, it's more of a, you know, grab and go kind of party instead of a, a, a sales and promotional trade show. Yeah. So it's, I agree that it, it's not really a conducive environment to interviews. It's more of a, um, sort of a, a relationship builder it's a party um that kind of thing yeah uh, yeah i mean and they do those the guys at rocky mountain cigar festival i want to just they're always gracious they're always inviting me um so it, it's it's not that it's very much appreciated too but it is, like i said it is tough and especially after these guys are out in the booth all day outdoors and the, the last thing they want to do is have an interview there and at night they just want to chill and relax right so it's a really it's a tough it's a tough thing to do yeah so um also one other thing from the pca that was recently announced is the new product hub okay. which is a very very I, I mean i'll give them this it's outside the box um, outside the box isn't always a good idea, but it's, it's outside the box. So I'll give them credit for that, but it's, it's outside the box for PCA, but it's not outside the box for the cigar industry. I, it, right. it seems like, uh, I, I'm just going to throw out some real talk here. It seems like a copycat idea to me. So what, wh- what's your take on the, the, the whole product hub and, and so- the, the, the custom releases, so yeah, I'm not like. If, first of all, if the cigars are anything like the TAA cigars, this is not going to go well. Yeah. Okay, because the TAA cigars are a colossal disappointment as a whole. Um, and I just those cigars were always years ago when there was only one release. It was like the premier release to the premier retailers, right? But but it's gotten very watered down with all these TAA cigars. So that aside, and I'll kind of come back to that point. I think that it is – I like the framework that PCA put in place. I think they put up – this hub is a good framework to do this, right? Um, now, the key thing is they're going to have to have the products compelling enough is the first thing. Um, the products that were put out there for the first run uh, was a discount on the Rocky Patel 20th. It was a, it was a compelling discount. Um, I don't know if the Rocky Patel is like one of the more sought-after cigars, so that's up. Really, retail is gonna have to figure out if that works for them or not. Um, the second one was a Aganorsa Leaf uh, line extension to the uh, Lunatic, the Lunatic line. 
um, which is going to go to the PCA as an exclusive for a period of time and then be released nationally. And then the third one was from Nova Cigars, which is a company that does a lot of sales direct to consumer. And I kind of thought that was an odd pick. I, I think it's a good opportunity for Nova, but I, it was a kind of an odd pick for the PCA, right? Yeah. So, they, so they got this, right? Now, if you were to say that these cigars, if, if these are the PCA-exclusive cigars that are going to be available at the trade show, I don't see anyone jumping on a plane. Nothing against these cigars. I don't think it's enough to sway people to go to a trade show. Maybe to buy it on the product hub, they can. But... Again, I, I, I don't see these cigars as um, something really exciting. Yeah. So th the PCA is going to have to wor work a little harder, I think, to kind of get some more products or some more discounts that are compelling to do it. But this is the first month, so I, I think it's a little early to pick on them with that, right? So they, they can do that. Now, the other question I have is, could and it's Seth actually from Developing Palace brought this point up on one of our shows? Could this be something that they're looking at to, if there is no trade show or if the trade show goes away, that this becomes the mechanism to kind of, um, you know, replace it from a revenue standpoint? Wow, that's I. And that was Seth's point. I, I, my, my point. He brought that point up to me. I hadn't seen that that episode of yours. And that's a great point. That's that's a very compelling question, actually. Yeah. It's really uh, smart. It, it, so, yeah. yeah, so more products, because what's happening is. When you go, when these products are put out there, PCA passes the order to the manufacturers. The manufacturers fulfill them, and then there's like a kickback to PCA. It's kind of like a, a tax or, or a finder's fee or whatever you want to call it. So it brings money back into the PCA. But let's say there's no trade show. Does this become the mechanism? Do they start using this mechanism to kind of really incent people to put a lot, they put a lot more product out there for a longer period of time? And they could collect more revenue. I don't know if it would ever replace the revenue to trade show, but think of it like that's when Seth brought that point up, it was like an aha moment I had. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, and the other thing is the manufacturer's gotta do like Terrence did a good job, I think, with his piece. Um you gotta promote these cigars, right? Mm -hmm. you, you know, these exclusives. You can't just put them out there like this is what they do with the TA. They put them out there, the manufacturers don't wanna market them. And the retailers don't know how to market them. So they sit on the shelves. And not that, and these cigars, like, is there any reason why a protocol taser is selling out faster than a TAA cigar? <laughs> I mean, ser serious. I, it's a serious I, question I have. I agree with you 100%. And, yeah. and in, my, in my experience and, and my opinion, there is yeah. a reason. And the reason is, is customer engagement. Absolutely. And that's what you got to get protocol credit for. Yeah. They engage customers. Yeah directly in and directly to in in today's terms engaging a customer directly is a different thing than it was five ten fifteen yep. years yep. ago you engage them directly through social media through through facebook live yep. through yep. youtube through cigar media like cigar right. coop and how about that cigar and, right. and and cigar dojo that's how you engage your customers directly today that's and that actually is a super good segue into kind of what we've seen over the last year and a half or so we'll, we'll say last year is it we've seen a lot of companies really go outside of their comfort zone and really make strides in changing the way they engage with their customers and really using yeah. new methods like facebook live and engaging people like 
uh, media groups like ours to to interact with their customers in a, in a new kind of a way because not being able to go and have in-store events and not being able to have trade shows and things yeah. like that. But there have been a lot of companies who are either not convinced that it's that it's worth their time or have have tried and failed you know these these new online methods of communicating with customers um so one so going through just a sort of a short list of companies that that some in my opinion have have succeeded and some have failed um i think the the uh the engagement from fuente has increased leaps and bounds over the last year they've through through uh um jose blanco and the meet the professor show and so many other avenues that they're going down to directly engage with customers i think it's been fantastic and they've they've engaged customers i think in a way that that is they've never done in their in their previous hundred years um and and i think that has endeared them to a lot of people who maybe weren't necessarily fuente uh aficionados before so what do you think of the job fuente's done over the last year amazing job and here's what else they did matt you're 100 right they've gotten people maybe not smoke Fuente, exciting about fuente but they've also woke a sleeping giant there are a lot of fuente fans out there there's a lot of people who smoke fuente and guess what what you've done now is you're you're, you're providing this level of engagement this level of access to fuente that hadn't been seen in a hundred years and they woke up this giant right and meet the professor is a great example of that right i think the show struggled a lot because they were trying to get out to facebook lives up once they got once they got their uh their channels done channels to market with that show done they move it to sundays that show just takes off and they get people in there right and it's and they're not even promoting fuente on that show which is amazing yeah you know they're not even promoting fuente on that show right. and then what's happening is they're engaging with with the podcast people um they they bring in a social media influencer like melanie cisco who's engaging right they're they're, they're you know there's a ground attack happening on a lot of things right now and they woke the sweeping giant i think all these fuente smokers are coming out now and you know it's an amazing it's a beautiful thing to see they, they've done an amazing and i think they're committed to this i don't think this is something that's gonna go away no i think you're right and and you actually bring up a great point that i hadn't thought about it's that it's not just that they're engaging their customers and sort of you know the next generation of cigar smokers yeah they're actually increasing and 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 enhancing the loyalty of the people who were already fuente fans yeah and that's mm -hmm. a great point i hadn't even thought about that 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 is let's, go ahead garrett let's bring this full circle back to where it's this conversation started was with taa and their lack of uh customer and industry engagement um i guarantee you talk to the average cigar smoker and you ask you know have you heard of taa and maybe they've heard of the cigars but I guarantee you, majority of them won't be able to tell you what TAA is or what they do or why they are TAA. Exactly right. And Some of them, yep. I would also say the same for the CRA and the PCA. And even though the PCA is for manufacturers and um, brick and mortar retailers, the consumer should always be the focus and 
um, getting that information out to consumers is always how we feed this industry. And it's such a valid point, Garrett, because PCA people look, everyone will say they don't care about the PCA. They do. I mean, it's the most read stuff on my site, right? And people look to the PCA as the organization. I, I'm not disparaging CRA at all, um, but mm -hmm. PCA is much more encompassing. It's products, it's manufacturers, it's retailers, and yes, it's consumers, right, which they're starting to engage. And they, you know, I always kind of criticize the PCA for many years that they never produced their own content at the trade show. Last time was the, 2019 was the first time they started doing that. And like most trade shows do their own content in addition to media content. Mm -hmm. So I think, look, they've come a long way under Scott Pierce. Let me tell you, it was the yeah. dark ages when I started. Yeah. So we're kind of getting into maybe like the age of exploration, I would say, with, with the PCA. <laughs> they got a way to go still. But, yeah. um, Garrett, you nailed that one 100%. I agree. So now let's talk about another company that I think has also increased their efforts in uh, sort of new media and uh, reaching out to consumers in different ways, and that is Perdomo. Absolutely. I think, I think they have in the last year, and even even they started, I think, before COVID even. It's they been did. Maybe a year and a half or two that they've, it, I've just seen more and heard more from them on social media and on shows like yours, Coop, that, that we really hadn't seen from them since, maybe since the company's inception. Yeah, um, they've always had the Perdomo army. So again, they had this. Yeah, they had this base again, but the base got awoken when we started seeing Nick become very. And I think Nick was always accessible. I think a lot of us may have been intimidated not to go to him. Is what I maybe found out. Because um, I found, I found, like I said I was engaging Nick at the end of like 2019 is when I started engaging with Nick a lot. And you know, obviously we have we have a partnership with sponsorship, but even before that, we were engaging a lot with him and. Uh, you know, we, he comes on our show, and it's one of the most watched shows. Um, and I think we had, like, we were probably one of the first, like, of the newer podcasts to have Nick on. Um, and he was great, and, and he's been very accessible. Uh, if his schedule allows it, you know, he's, he'll come on a show. And I think, look, they've had, look at the success they've had with the, the ESV and then with the 10th anniversary. I, I think they totally leveraged this piece of social media combined with some online media, cons combined with consumer engagement, um, adding to the strong connection they have with their retailers. It, yeah, they've done a great job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, go so, ahead. Uh, Alan Rubin uh, in the comments is making some good points. Um, you know, that 90% of consumers don't read cigar-related news. Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if it's that high or not, um, but it's a fair point. You know, it's a, where... it's a fair point, and it's pro it probably is that high. But uh, I would I would argue that, and I think the evidence supports the fact that the needle is moving a little bit every year. I don't think the needle's moving quickly, but yeah. I think the needle is moving every year, just yeah. just a, a little tick at a time. I've always pushed towards the Google audience, right? And yeah. we have a publication schedule on Coop, where it goes on Coop. At a certain time of the day, because typically I don't want to like, I don't want it to go on social media when I'm at work, right? But typically, night before, right? And then it doesn't go on social media till the end of the day, and I see the traffic even when it's not shared on social media, and I and I I'm confident that 
I have tapped into that base that Alan's talked about. It takes a long time to do that. You know, you just have to keep doing it. But, but I'm comfortable enough that I see people kind of go to Coop and check it. Sometimes when Half Wheel has a big story, I see a pop on Coop, even if we don't have the story, because they're checking Coop for the story. So yeah. I, I can kind of measure, you know, and there's analytic tools in Google. You can measure that and, and really look at that and figure it out. So, yeah, yeah I think that's, he's right. He's right on that. He, there is, and that's, I think, where a lot of media needs to look at is to try to tap into that base. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, so what about, uh, this is a company that, in, in my estimation and based on what I've seen, is has not put efforts into um any new types of consumer engagement, and that is Rocky Patel. I was a little surprised about that, too. Because, and again, um, first of all, Rocky's always been accessible to me, so it's not really an issue. But, you know, if they imagine if they did something similar with consumer engagement, like what McAuliffe's done, or what, uh, and we didn't talk about McAuliffe yet, or, you know, even what um, Fuente's done. I think I think they're kind of leaving something on the table right now. I mean, I know they do. They probably sell a lot of products, right? And they probably sell to channels, some of the channels where we're moving a lot more product. But imagine where they could be with if they added that extra step in there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and I, I I don't knock the Rocky Patel brand in any way. I I think they they make a lot of cigars. They sell a lot of cigars. I think Rocky's a very engaging person. I yeah. think the people he has under his under his umbrella, his salespeople, I think they're, they're engaging people. And I, I just, I was, I was a, just a little surprised over the last year that they weren't one of those companies that really started putting a lot of, uh, a, a lot of time and effort into maybe some new types of communications. I was just surprised by it. Really. And here's the thing they got the last year, the products that have come out in the last year have been really good. Absolutely. Some really good releases they've had. Yep, um yeah. and uh, you know I'll get to, I'm actually gonna get the one a little later in the show I'll talk about so um that's a tease but, but um, if you haven't heard a story from Rocky or Nish you're really missing out they're great um, yeah those guys are fantastic yeah they're great um, storytellers very yeah. engaging so just a quick one from me um I was 19 years old when I had my very first premium cigar. It wasn't a week later that I met Rocky. Um, and of course, I had no idea who Rocky was, um, but told him I was just getting into cigars. And he said, the best thing you can do is get a notebook and write down everything that you're experiencing with that cigar. And that was the best advice I, I ever had. And, you know, that's over 20 years ago now. And, um, so these guys have poured themselves into the industry for a long time. And, you know, um, like Coop, you talked about before the show, we went, <coughs> we went live when you hear the story sometime, or you experience a person, it can change your view and experience of that product. Right. And for me, that was certainly evident with, uh, Rocky Patel. I enjoy a lot of their products. Um, not everyone is for me, but. I mean, they make a lot of sticks. So and, yeah, um, I, I totally I agree. agree, Matt. I mean, the only thing I'll defend them maybe a little on is Rocky's just has an insane schedule. I mean, mm -hmm. he's spending a lot of time in Washington, and I'm sure that what he's the time he spends away, it's got to push back on Nish and Nimish. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it ain't like these guys aren't working. I'll say that. I don't think they're yeah. sitting at home or anything. But if they had that extra piece, imagine what they could become. Oh, yeah. And, and there's and that, a lot of Rocky smokers out there who love Rocky. They love the products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a great point, too, Coop. A lot of people don't know that Rocky is one of the most in, directly involved manufacturer brand owners in the legislative fight. Yeah. And I mean directly involved. He's totally. in the offices of lawmakers all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Having meetings with with congressmen, senators, uh, and and he is he is constantly out there spreading the word and working on things like exemption and and, and other legislative efforts. So yeah, he is he is extremely involved, and we we salute him for that most definitely. Do, do you think I'll ask you guys a question? So look, the Tucker Carlson thing three years ago was huge. Those mm-hmm. few minutes he had on Tucker Carlson. I just felt we never capitalized on the momentum coming out of that. Rock, I mean, there were people talking about that show who were not cigar people. Yeah. And I just felt we, we, it, the ball dropped on that. There was, a, there was a miss, another missed opportunity. I don't know. But I'll be honest, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking. I don't know if I had a plan for that. But I would think maybe there would have been a way to really push a campaign following that. It may have led to more appearances. I don't know. But I just felt it was a missed opportunity somehow. Yeah, I... I... I think you could be right, but at the same time, I think it's also possible that they were working on that in the background, and a lot of networks were pushing back on them, saying we're not yeah, going to have some cigar guy yeah. on our on our. On fair our point. Network. Yeah, fair so point. I, I think I think there are some networks that wouldn't go, w- wouldn't have a cigar guy on their on their network for a year's worth of revenue. Yeah, mm-hmm. they wouldn't do it no matter what. That's a fair point. Yeah, I think and I, you know, and this kind of goes back to the comment we were talking about before with the 90% of consumers aren't reading stuff. They're not, you know, really looking for that news. They're just buying their cigars and enjoying their cigars. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's great. You know, however, we do have a battle and a lot of them don't even know we have that battle. Right. And one of my hopes is that we get movies like hand rolled to a major streaming service like Netflix or, um, you know, Hulu or, you know, and I know that you can buy it uh, in a few different places, but to get it on a major platform um, that I think could be monumental um, yeah. to the industry to get the story out of what premium cigars really are. Because until the general public really gets an idea that we are a different industry, um, we're going to continue to have this battle because tobacco yeah. is bad. Yeah. And Coop, that's something Garrett and I talk about a lot on the show is even education for non-tobacco users, just friends and family of people who are cigar smokers like us, um, you know, getting just helping even, even a few people out there in the world to, to understand how different premium cigars are. And I agree that getting it on a streaming service where it's accessible to just start streaming and watch instead of pay a rental fee or, or buy it, which I, I think everybody should, you know, go on Amazon prime and, and buy the buy movie. But to, if it was accessible on Netflix or Hulu where somebody can, somebody who doesn't even really care about cigars, but they like watching documentaries. So they just click on hand roll to start watching it. I think th- I agree. That could be, that could be very beneficial. 
Uh, I agree. I was hoping that we would see like cigar shop showings of the cigar of the hand roll movie a lot more. So okay, yeah. you know where you have it, you have you show the movie. Maybe someone mm. who from the movie, you know, one of the industry personalities is, is at the event. Um, they, and then you know people would want to go buy the movie. You know, people go to movies and then they go they go get uh you know they get the movie afterwards, right? So there's no reason why you can't do it with that either. Um, I mean, because it's such a great tool to have. Um, yeah. And look, they did a fantastic job on that. Um, and, you know, people clamp, like people who are cigar people want another one of these things right now. I mean, so there's, yeah. there's, there's, but you know, I agree. We want to get that into as many people's hands a as possible with that. Yeah. So this this next brand is is a brand that I don't. I I consider this brand from a consumer relations and advertising standpoint sort of a, an enigma because their products are so consistently good and they have for so many years had such a strong following and strong consumer base that I, I don't this is one of the rare cases where I don't know if they need to do much more than they're doing now and that's Padron yeah that one comes up a lot in these discussions the one thing I think they could really benefit from with it is, but they have it already, is consumer loyalty, right? Yeah. But they have it already, but it's a competitive market out there. Why not try to protect your base a little more with that? Um, maybe they don't have to do as much as Fuente did, but, and, and look, they're not, I don't think this is a company that's looking to double their production either. So, um, you're right, but maybe just a little more i think yeah, like i said it would go a longer way with that yeah yeah it's they're such an interesting company that and i i think they i think i think jorge is really smart oh he he is and, and he has i think he has i i think he has his finger on the pulse of what the company needs to do i just don't think he talks about it a lot to people in the outside and you know, I, kinda, I, you know, in a weird sort of way, I really respect that. I, I yeah, and that's where you kind of go. It's hard to criticize yeah. him on that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, when he's, when he's at events, he's great. When he does interviews, he's very engaging in the interview. He can challenge you, as I've been challenged with him in an interview before. <laughs> um. But um. But yeah, he's very he's very good. Um. The problem, I don't know if, like, necessarily if you brought in a Padron ambassador, if that would work. Because it's that Padron and the family are so tied together. Same thing. That's like Fuente, the same thing. But Carlito's taking that on right now. And, and Cynthia's taking that on because they're the family. But it's hard to separate the Fuente family and the Fuente brand. The same thing with Padron. It would have to be Jorge right now. Mm -hmm. um, who's yeah. the, main, the main guy. And then maybe introduce some of the other members of the family where they can carry the ball. Yeah, I think it would benefit. I don't think it would hurt them. Um, I think it would only help them, especially in a competitive marketplace. Yeah. So one of the big biggest brands or big biggest conglomerates that I I think has has uh, they really made changes even pre COVID with uh, the way that they market their products to consumers uh, in, in new ways is General Cigar, with all the brands under their flag with the the method they that they have used of 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 putting a putting an 
an ambassador in charge and making them the face of each individual brand under the flag, I think has, has it was extremely smart and also very engaging. So how do you think they've done over the last year or so? I think they've done well with that. I think Sean's done great with Cohiba. Uh, Laurel's done a tremendous job at uh, Macanudo. Macanudo. Um, Rick kind of wears that hat to some extent with CAO. Um, and he's always worn that hat. There are some brands I think that they could use a little more help with, with, with maybe this approach would work. You know, Partagas is kind of a brand that languishes under there. Yeah. Um, I don't think Punch necessarily needs it. Um, I just think that's a popular brand. But Partagas is probably one that comes to mind. Gloria Cubana would be the other one that I think, you know, they could use a little more push with the market with that. And, um, you know, so I think they've, they've always been very good to the media, although I'm, right now I don't understand their, their marketing strategy, I'll be honest with you. Because you know how I found out, you know how I find out about every general release now? From my retailer. Oh. <laughs> so when I get the press release, it's already old news. So I, I, and they're telling me this because they're sending me stuff, right? Yeah, they, they send me stuff, so I don't understand why we have to have this big delay to get a press release out. Let's yeah. just get it out there and to put a, you know. And then if I have to go, if I get something from the retail, it's never a hundred percent. So when you go validate it, it's like you know they don't want to talk about it yet. So right. that's the part I, I kind of don't understand. But for the most part, I don't want to pick on them because they've been one of the most media friendly companies out there, uh, for sure. Um, and I'll tell you something. You know, they have some good brand managers behind the scenes there, who we've had them on the show, uh, Steve Abbott. Ed Lehman, uh, they got some good, uh, Justin Andrews, um, yeah. they're all good guys that, and they, they, they're really interesting stories that they give you from there as well. Even though those guys aren't brand ambassadors, when I've asked for them, uh, they've come on shows and yeah. they've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other big conglomerate is, uh, is Altidus. And I, although I do think they have some of that sort of methodology, I don't, I, I think they, they almost, um, they didn't branch it out in, as far as I've seen, they haven't branched it out into all the brands under their flag. Um, they focused on the core brands, Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta and H. Upman. Yeah. And then they spatter in a little bit of Henry Clay and some of the other brands in there. Um, you know, they, I thought they did a good job with the pandemic. Um, I think they've, you know, I, they've done a good job at like releasing products kind of and focusing a product a month is if you notice what they're doing. Um, Raphael was doing the podcast on Sundays for a while. I kind of, uh, the cigar life thing. I thought it was really good what he was doing there. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I kind of liked it, but yeah, I think some of these other brands like Onyx and stuff, they needed to put a little more emphasis maybe if they were going to grow. And I understand that's, that's not Monte Cristo. Right. So, but, you know, again, if you look at the, what Altidus does most of their money with, it's the three brands I mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and those are brands that are, they're, they're staples. They're, they're, they're humidor shelf staples. I mean, I challenge anybody to walk into just about any cigar shop in the country and not find Monty White's. And, you know, our Romeo Julieta Reserva Reals yeah. and, you know, brands like that. It's they're almost on they're on almost every store shelf in the country. Yeah. I mean, and look, there's still a lot of excitement when a Monte Cristo comes out. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of excitement when these cigars come out, and I have people, call, you know, who are just they're not, you know, they're not necessarily hardcore cigar coupe people, but people I know, they say, hey, have you heard about this? I say, hey, do you have something on your website? I said, yeah, go check that out this link. So you know, like, yeah, I heard it's a new Monty. Monty tends to get the most excitement, um, at least what I've seen. And look, I had that that nineteen uh, that 1935 is fantastic. That's 35, <sighs> yeah, really good. Uh, if that that cigar, the the problem with it, it came out in December. Um, I'm hoping a lot of lists remember it uh, at the end of the yep. year. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about the blue coming out. Um, so I like I like what they're doing with with a lot of their brands as well. Trinidad's got a little more life into it right now. It's great to see that because that's a great brand. Um, but you're right, you know. Monty White is just, it should be on every shelf. I mean, they move a lot of that cigar, too. And it's a damn good cigar. It's a cigar that they've produced for many years. Mm -hmm. And like Matt said, it is a pillar of, you know, that that 90s boom, along with Onyx and some of the others that we just don't talk about much anymore. But they deserve their place in, you know, cigar history with making an iconic cigar that is still a great cigar today. Yeah, and I'll say this, Altidus is a company that's come a long way, I think, uh, with Raphael coming in there, as yeah. far as engagement goes. Um, he gave them a face uh, on the road. He's engaging with the media a lot more now. Um, he's responsive on things, so they, they've they really progressed a lot in the last four or five years um, from where they were. Yeah. Um, another company that I've seen a lot more activity from in the last couple of years is a company that's had some controversy, but um, I don't think it, in the end, I don't think it has, it it wasn't the brand killer that I thought uh, this controversy that came out, I don't think was the brand killer that some people thought it might be. And that brand is Gurkha. You know, we just had had one on the show. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, and I, you know, and we didn't really dwell on what happened with Kaiser. That wasn't what we were going to do. But they have done a very nice job at weathering the storm. And, you know, I asked Juan Point Blank. The big concern I had with them is how are you going to do packaging if Kaiser's not there anymore, right? And Juan's kind of saying we're moving on. We're moving to the next chapter kind of is what he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have good packaging, very good packaging, but we're not going to have the crazy packaging is what he's saying. Yeah. Um, I know they've been spending a lot of time on the road. Juan was talking about that on the show. He was just on a road trip with Colucci. Uh, Colucci is the president of the company running it right now, and they're meeting with customers, and they're still getting some, they're still getting some pushback, you know. But um, we thought that I think all of us thought that brand might be dead by the end of the year. Hmm. Um, and guess and what? Yeah. They came out with some good product. They came out with some. That San Miguel is a really good cigar. They came out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They work with good the, factories. The, yeah. The Nicaragua series was good. Yeah, they yeah. they they Cigar. really. I mean, they found a, they found a good manufacturer. Not that they had bad ones, but when you get Topsa, when you get when you start partnering with, partnering with Topsa, that's a big deal. Yeah, and that was a perfect fit for them. Yeah, yeah, and they completely changed their. Um, they went. They were really heavy in the catalog market, and um, you know, Coop. I watched your interview with with Juan, and it was really cool to see you know, some of the thinking behind how they were going to re, you know, really kind of relaunch or um, go into this new um, season that they're in and pulling back from the catalogs and going heavy into retail. 
Um, I also know that Juan, like you said, Coop is is on the road a lot. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, there are several shops that that pulled his account, and they are going to all of these shops that they've lost the account to try and rebuild those bridges. Yep. And and that's that's how it's done, you know, face to face relationship, um, making things right. This is not who we are. Um, and so I think they're doing a lot of the, a lot of the right things to, to rebuild. They look, they lucked out that they have a guy like Juan who's beloved. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's very well respected in the industry. People really like Juan. Um, and thank goodness they had him, you know, and and Juan could be like, I get Juan could go a little off the edges sometimes, but, but for the most part, you know, he's very well liked. And he's, like I said, you know, you see, I hear his peers from other companies talk very highly of him as well yeah yeah so i want to shift a little bit into talking about because you you know cigar coop is the as a brand is very diverse and part of that is now cigar jukebox yeah um, and for those who don't know dave burke started cigar jukebox um quite a while ago and at some point he he kind of felt like he was going to just stop and and cigar jukebox was going to be done so how did that all happen where where you came to be involved with cigar jukebox and and sort of um because it it seems to me from an as an outsider's perspective that that you sort of reinvigorated his passion for for all this uh when when maybe he was a little burned out and about to just let it go yeah yeah so for folks who don't know and that's that's accurate so folks who don't know about Cigar Jukebox, um, Dave Burke is a U.S. citizen who is uh, now living in Australia. He's married and he has a kid in Australia, so he lives there full time. And he started Cigar Jukebox back in 2014. And the idea, he was just combining the world of cigars and music. Um, he reached out to us at Stogie Geeks like very early on, just looking to build some media connections. I was very intrigued with the, with the whole concept. So we did a couple of... Uh, guest appearances on each show and it kind of went really well like we really there was a good synergy dave asked me to come back like on a semi-monthly ba- or a bi-monthly basis to cover cigar news kind of on his show and he's invited me then to start doing some of the music he realized i was a music guy so then he started inviting me on the music stuff so we always had a very very good synergy but dave was running that show in australia and it's, it's very very difficult to run that show in australia because of the time difference uh getting guests was very hard getting cigars was very hard um, and Dave not only has a full-time job, he was going, uh, and a family, he was also going for his PhD. So mm. in 2018, Dave told me he was, he was hitting about, he was, he told me, I think I'm going to end the jukebox, right? I said, Dave, let's have a conversation here, right? I said, let me, is there something I could do to help you? And he's like, I'm open to it, right? So we started that conversation and then I got sick. That's when I had the blood infection. So I said to Dave, Dave, I got to put this on hold. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, you know, and he was understanding, but he didn't shut down jukebox. But a year later, he kind of came back to me again. He said, I think I'm going to shut this down. He goes, you want to talk? So I said, yeah. Um, I said, Let, let's try to ad- eliminate the administrative burden that you have here and let you focus on content. And I'll give you like carte blanche on the content. Right. I'm not going to, you know, um, and I'll co-host the show with you. I'll help you out with, you know, we'll, we'll put the show on my platform um, and let's try this out. 
So we started going, doing one show a month, and they were doing well. We went to two sh uh, shows a month after that, and it really started to take off. Um, and it's a different show than Cigar Coop. It's a complete because it, it's not an industry show. Yeah, we've we've sometimes muddied the waters a bit with it, but for the most part, it's a music fo first show. And we've kind of Dave kind of branded this as it's where the cigar industry talks music. That's kind mm. of the platform we have right now. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, we just laid out the show for the next year. Uh, we may go to three shows a month now. Some some uh, sometimes we're real excited about that. But we had a big turning point with that show when we were able to bring Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick on. Uh, yeah, that that was... opened that opened the show to music people. Mm -hmm. We got and we got good grades from them. We didn't, no one ripped us like we thought when they, we, they were putting it up on the Cheap Trick groups and stuff. We thought we were gonna get killed. They didn't. And Rick even like when the show debuted, he was in the YouTube chat that night and he was praising us. Um, so and uh, it's just been a great. It's just been great. We've been able to capitalize on that momentum. Um, and uh, it's a different type of show, is what I'll tell people. It's because it's not meant to be the industry show. Um, it's kind of the first lifestyle show I brought in. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch and listen to because it's uh, hearing the just hearing about one of the things that I love about music and and a lot of people know that I'm I'm a music guy from way back and that was my education and my oh my, really oh yeah I yeah. need some guest DJs we're gonna have to talk yeah so, so yeah I, and one of the things about music is. You know, a lot of times people will say, oh, I only like this type of music or that type of music. I like everything under the sun, literally yes. everything under the sun. As long as there's talent involved, I absolutely love it. And hearing here, I love hearing about bands and singers and drummers and guitar players that I've never heard of before that I can go out there and find their stuff on Spotify and YouTube and, and just start immersing myself in it. And that's one of the things I always am looking for new avenues for that. And and uh, Cigar Jukebox has been a, a place where I've been able to find out about people that I hadn't really never heard of before or get reminded about a band from the 80s or the 70s that I was like, oh, I haven't listened to them in forever and go back and find maybe even one of my old vinyls or, or find them on Spotify and listen to it again for the first time in maybe a decade or more. And I've really enjoyed that. And that's what we were, a lot of times we're trying to do that. And to Dave's credit, Dave's a much more broader has a much more broader uh, spectrum of music he listens to than maybe me, who's the guy who likes listening to dudes with guitars. And Dave's got me out of that comfort zone, which is a big thing. I mean, he convinced me to do a Taylor Swift show. I, yeah. I and I, I was like, okay, uh, you know, again, I, Dave has creative. Uh, Dave, I don't stand anywhere with Dave. Dave, I'm willing to give it a try, Dave. And we got good numbers on that show. I was like, that show did very well for us. Yeah. So go figure. Uh, there were people who wanted to hear that show, and there were like these closet Taylor Swift fans that came out. I like to say. Yeah. Um, so, and then Dave does the new music segment at the end of the show, and he finds these bands like, and he just, and he's sometimes ahead of the curve. Um, you know, the one I'll say he was very ahead of the curve. Have you heard of Lana Del Rey at all? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. He was ahead of the curve on Lana Del Rey before anyone yeah. else was. Like before she hit it big and won won awards and stuff like that. So like he's he has a good pulse on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun to listen to, um, and it's it's always one of those shows that I I go back and listen to uh, a couple days after, and 
uh, I love getting introduced to new music. Yeah. And I don't care if it's jazz or country or hip hop or anything in between. Uh, if it's, like I said, if there's talent involved, I love to listen to it. And there's a lot of good stuff out there that people don't know about. Yeah, we were talking about bringing back the guest DJ thing, which was something on Cigar Jukebox that we haven't done yet on Primetime Jukebox, which is the new incarnation of the show. So I'm glad you know it because we need music people. Um, so if you guys are music guys, um, I'll be in touch. <laughs> That's oh, good to would, know. We, we love it. We love it. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's something yeah. Garrett yeah. and I are very yeah. into. Yep. Um. Can I, can I, uh, Matt, I'm sorry. I'm not sitting next to you. I can't see your notes. Do you have, uh, time slotted to congratulate Coop on four years? Oh, I do. I have that on the notes. Yeah. So, so, and we can obviously dive into that right now. So, so this is a, I mean, this is a really big deal. You guys are about to celebrate your fourth anniversary, uh, for cigar coop primetime and, yep. and, let us say congratulations to you yeah. for, for and and no no uh, we're not blowing sunshine here. This is real talk. You are you are truly one of the one of the top tier personalities and and hard workers in the cigar media industry, and we we look to you for. Uh, you know, knowledge, guidance, all that stuff. And we congratulate you on four years and, you know, here's to another four, eight, 10, 12, 20 more years. Well, thank you very much. That's really kind. Um, what I'm most proud of with that show is that we've kept our team, our original teams intact. And I keep saying I'm going to jinx myself on this, right? But, but <laughs> we haven't, we haven't gone through a rotation of hosts on, on all three shows right now. So, um, Aaron's been there four years. That's when we started primetime. Special edition is going to have four years next month. And Jukebox is going to have two years in November. So, um, I'm very proud that we've had a very consistent, hardworking team uh, that's done that. And look, you guys have done a great job. 100 episodes. You know, you know how hard this stuff is. You've had some great guests. I mean, you, I just before the show, you knocked it out of the park with Carlito. Okay. Um, and the preparation and that I see from you guys is, is great. And so you guys are a great asset and I look forward to your, uh, 200 show and your, your, you're on two years now or one year, two years, right? Two, two yeah, yeah. Just, just over two now. Yeah. Yep. So not easy to keep this going for two years. I've seen these shows come and go. So, uh, yeah. well, you know, and, and Coop really thank you for, creating this uh, this new way to do media and the fact that you don't treat us as competition um, and any of the other guys too that you know we watch each other's shows we we chat during the week on on things and we hit each other up and that means the world to us that mm -hmm. we're, we're treated as equals we're treated as you know just a guy another you know uh, media company that's in the club and um, there's a mutual respect and love that has just been appreciated. Um, I know from both Matt and I, and um, you know, continue to, uh, we look forward to continuing the relationship and, and continuing yeah. to grow the industry and grow cigar media yeah. um, to a, a bigger overall 
uh, industry that that touches more and more consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Feelings mutual on that as well. Um, it really, it really is. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen what you guys have built with this thing and, and it's not easy, you know, um, which is a great job. And, you know, I got to give you guys some props here, even though I was disappointed, but let me kind of say why I was disappointed. You guys didn't do it an end of the year list, but I was also respected your reasons entirely that you felt you couldn't do it based on what you had done last year. And, as much as it was a disappointment for us, I think that was a it was a win because you guys brought a lot of credibility to um, what a t- end of the year list means, and you take that seriously enough that you felt you couldn't do it, and uh, you'll bet back to it next time. So it's so a great job yeah. with that. Even though we were disappointed, but that's that doesn't mean that's not a bad thing. It's you had the right reasons why you didn't do it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And Coop, I want to ask. So. Going over the last, you know, four years, um, what was that show that you had <laughs> that you were like, "This has got legs, and we're gonna we're gonna go the distance." I I keep going back to this one. It was uh, show 30, 37. Mm-hmm. and it was when we got an interview with Charlie Tarano. Mm. Uh who hadn't done, he only had done one other show beforehand, but he really on that show didn't get a chance to tell the story of what happened at Taranio. And there was a lot of stuff he said that night had never been said before. And we heard that because former reps were contacting us on this afterwards. Jack, who was in the room that night, even said there were things he didn't hear. And I knew we touched something that night. I knew we were really onto something after that show. And, where people were really just kind of um, tuning in on that. I mean, the other one I'll go to was last year with Jonathan. Jonathan Drew's numbers were enormous. Yeah. Uh, and then Nick Perdomo almost beat those numbers a couple months later. He's like, the, yeah, but those, I mean, because we did numbers, you know, closing in on, on almost 10,000, you know, and that's those are enormous numbers when you start getting into that. Mm-hmm. And they were organic. We knew they were organic yeah. numbers, so. Because most of the shows right. were downloaded afterwards. So, and, and that's how we can kind of... I always gauge the success of the show and how the downloads do and how long the downloads have legs. So, I mean, we, we kind of showed we could get to... A, but it took us... I mean, even with Stogie Geeks, we weren't doing numbers like that. So it took me seven years to get to some numbers like that. You know, so it doesn't happen overnight. That's for sure. So do you guys... Um, well, and this is really just you know, for you, do you still, uh, um, you still have occasion to chat once in a while with, uh, guys from Stogie Geeks? No. Okay. Um, there's one guy I do, but he, but he left Stogie Geeks before I left and that was Stogie Santa. So Stogie Santa and I are very close. Um, he is like an older brother to me. And when I say we talk almost every day, we do. Um, in fact, when he, and I didn't hear from him for three days, I got worried he had COVID. Um, it turned out he was just, uh, he had a bad reaction to a medication. Luckily he's okay. But, but yeah, I have not had any conversation with Paul since then. Okay. Yeah. That's understandable. And and we're not going to get into the, you know, I, I would love to at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't happened. No. Yeah. And it's honestly, and, and I don't say when I say what I'm about to say, I don't mean this with any malice at all. 
it's it's just sort of a thing that happened naturally that I I haven't watched or listened to Stogie Geeks since you left. And the, and really the only reason for that it's not because I dislike the people that are on the show. I I just I don't I don't know any of the people that are on the show. And the reason that I watched and listened to Stogie Geeks before when you were still on the show was because of you. And I and that's I don't say that with any malice toward them or or because I'm trying to blow sunshine up your butt. It's just you you were the you were the it's the same reason I watch Cigar Coop Primetime now is is because you bring what you bring now to to your own brand what you brought to Stogie Geeks back then and that's why I watch and listened back then. Uh, and I just uh, once you left I, I just didn't see a reason to to watch and listen. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, they, we built something really special over at Stogie Geek, so I'm not. Uh, I'm very proud of the work that was done there. I wouldn't have traded it for the world. I learned a lot. Um, for a while, I listened to the show afterwards. Um, and, you know, it's a point where you have to kind of just, it's not, you let it go at that point. You know, now I have a really good brand, uh, set of brands here. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, it just... You know, I just got away from it, so, so to speak. Yeah, I tune in occasionally. I'm not gonna say I don't, but uh, but yeah, it, you know, they're doing their own thing. It's a different show now, different crew. So, I don't. I wish them the best of luck. Yeah, and it's a it's a show that it, it's sort of on my radar to go back and see what they're doing now. I just haven't taken the time to do it. Yeah, but I think they're. You know, we we've seen this really big boom, and how about that cigar? Is kind of part of this. You know, big influx of new cigar shows that are on youtube and facebook live and things like that over the last couple of years and there's some that i enjoy a lot i i, I enjoy hot ticket i enjoy they the good. cigar club and yeah, i like those guys too um, that's uh, awesome that's that uh tuesday night yeah yeah and and smoking tobacco and and some other shows that i'm forgetting yeah. i apologize but i think there have been some really you know, people putting out quality content who are actually putting in the work and, and the time that it takes to to actually, you know, generate a show that's fun and engaging and things like that. So and there are some other shows that that, you know, maybe are still working things out. And we get that. I mean, Garrett and I can remember back to, you know, shows that, you know, the Internet connection died four and five times during during some of the early broadcasts and like where we recorded on this little this little recorder yeah. that literally sitting on an end table in between us. It's like, you know, very, very humble beginnings, but um, there, there are some that have, have kept, kept at it and really put in, put in some really good work. And I, I love seeing it out there. I, th I think anything that, that grows this cigar culture and, and gets smokers more engaged in, in, in the products that we enjoy, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. The, you know, the one show I do miss that's gone uh is uh doc uh, stogie fresh yeah that's the guy i mean he he was such that educator uh he was like i'd listen to his show every sunday night in my garage this is before uh you know bear had his show and uh you know doc's an awesome guy he paved the way for a lot of us uh and at 500 he stopped and he walked away and he truly did and i hope he's enjoying his life but i miss him yeah yeah absolutely um so We'll get into notable smokables a little bit later, but one of the things that, that I'm curious about is um, if there's a cigar that you've found recently that you've just been reaching for regularly, 
like every day or every couple days or, uh, you know, once a week, it's a cigar that you just, you keep seeing that box in your humidor and you go, yeah, I got to smoke another one of those. Yeah. It's uh, Rocky Patel winter collection, 2020. Yeah. I, I bought one of those, uh, a couple, well, no, it was, it was when I was in Florida about a month ago and I was, uh, in the Fort Myers area and I went to the, uh, um burn no the uh the world famous cigar bar okay yep yep and i bought one while i was there and it was really really good really yeah i yeah i mean and these are the types of cigars it got a very high score it's going to contend for a very high spot at the end of the year um it's i'm but i'm smoking it um i don't have like a rotation but I have a box of it, and I reach for them, and there's, you know, it's kind of one of those things when I go back to them, it's smoking really good, smoking really good. I think it's the best cigar Rocky's done. I, I've kind of said that it's a really good cigar. May not be the highest one he scored on my site because I've changed the scoring, but, but it is a fantastic cigar. Yeah. Uh, um. So, I haven't, you know, and there's other Rockies I've liked in the past, you know, but this one to me, is is a great. I'm so glad they. I was glad when they brought the Winter Blend back, and I was skeptical right because the winter blend was kind of one of those when it came out and it was a different blend back when it came out in 2008 but it was like one of those very sought after rockies they reworked the blend but it's i think they reworked it better that's you know it's that yeah. good so, yeah and the, yeah. the 2008 version for me it didn't feel ready it um it was a pennsylvania broadleaf yep this one's a, Me a mexican san andreas it's a totally uh, different cigar. Yeah, totally yeah. different. But I could see that because I think when they did a subsequent batch of those, it wasn't ready. I felt it wasn't yeah. ready when it happened. I, I can see that. And I didn't so, smoke it when it was first out in back in two thousand eight. I didn't try it back then. It was a very hard cigar to get too. It was a limited run, and they went fast. Yeah. And then I they brought another run back, and I don't. I think they sold it. Yeah. So Stogie's had them. Uh, we've got a um, a shop up here in the Twin Cities that is a Rocky Patel lounge or rocky patel humidor and um they get everything rocky and um was able to have them you it, know it have got, it released. yeah it got lost because of the quarter century and the um the grand reserve coming to the u.s yep. so yep. those were very two high profile releases that one i think the winter collection got lost with those two mm. um so that that's a little bit i think so it's kind of one of these cigars i haven't heard a lot of people talk about it but when they've smoked it they've had a very high praise for it so i feel it validates a lot what i'm saying yep now here's here's a question for both of you guys when you walk into a new humidor do you okay so when i walk into a new humidor that i haven't been to or maybe one i haven't been to in a long time i look for the stuff that i either a haven't smoked um, that I can't find at my normal shops. Um, and it's typically the boutique stuff. But how often do you guys either gravitate to the boutique stuff that you don't um, see normally versus the the classics? It's it's a split. Um, there's still a lot of places I'll go with the classics that I haven't had. Um, or maybe I haven't had a size of it. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of times with the boutiques, 
it's the Uber limited stuff you're trying to get with those. Right. So that you kind of have to be in the right place at the right time with that. But I have like, you know, when I go to my Caribbean cigars in Florida, uh, that's a place where Hector smokes. Uh, they, they have a lot of those, like, you know, they have a lot of James Brown stuff and I'm usually able to get some James Brown stuff in there. Uh, they had some of the HBC limited stuff. They have a, you know, mm. they had a good inventory there. So those are the types of things I'll look at when I go in, into that, that store. I'll go in and buy more boutiques. Yeah. Um, you know, if I go into a store, it's a Davidoff uh, flagship store. You know, mm. I'm, I'm look, there's a lot of Davidoffs that I haven't smoked um, that I'll kind of gravitate to, you know, and, and kind of sm- I remember, you know, once I was trying to find the Dojo cigar and they told me they sold it out in like one day. Like, <laughs> so I was like, I couldn't find it. I actually, someone gifted it to me, it, it turns out. Oh, the Dojo Davidoff, which was really good. Yeah, I never got one of those. I got it. Yeah, someone actually, someone actually, yeah, someone actually just gifted it to me. They heard me on a show talking about it, and they just sent it to me. I'm like, that was really nice of them. Yeah. Um, for me, I, if it's a place I've never been before, I always do a full lap around the humidor first and just look and see what they have, and then I start over at the back at the beginning and. Um, I usually grab a couple classics, usually one that I haven't had in a long time. Um, and then try to find, well, here's another example was the, what the same humidor I was in at that world famous cigar bar. Um, one that I'd heard about from Coop for a long time, uh, even going back to the Stogie Geeks days was the Saga cigar. And I found, I had never seen them on a humidor shelf before. And I saw the Saga blend number seven. And I said, ah, I got to grab one of those. So I grabbed one of those, too, and was very, very impressed with that cigar. That was my uh, cigar of the year. That, was, that one was my cigar of the year. Yeah, and, uh, and so that's what I do. I take a lap, and then I just look for, I, I look for a couple classics, and then I look for a couple new things that I've never tried before. Um, yeah. and, and they could yeah. even be brands that I've never even heard of. They could, they could be a naked house blend, you know, because naked house blends sometimes can be f- phenomenal. They, they are. I mean, they, they are. I, I always will look for those as well. Uh, I'm always curious about those. And then I start asking the questions, who does it? And top secret, you know, but, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, they're, they're fun to kind of go. I used to review those cigars, but they don't have a lot of traction, unfortunately. <laughs> um, because, you know, a cigar with no band on it just doesn't do a good, re- doesn't do good analytics. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, is that's just the reality of things. Um, but yeah, there's some fun for us. But yeah, yeah, yeah. fun for us. But most readers, it, it, they're not really super interested in in that. I remember I went to Chicago once. Uh, Ewan Reese. Uh, they're located uh, in the uh, Loop District, and I uh, just asked, "Hey, what do you got?" And they had this Brankel Hoffman, which was theirs. And it was like fantastic, this cigar. I, you know, and it was their cigar. Um, I forget who makes made it for them, but just like that was, it was it had beautiful banding and stuff. It was just a fantastic cigar. And like every time I go back to Chicago and I go to Ewan Reese, I always get a Hoffman. Uh, it was just a fantastic cigar. So you do find some really good ones sometimes. Um, you know, unfortunately, some of the limiteds I think have lost their luster lately. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying all of them have, but uh, a lot of them have lost a little luster. I think it's gotten a little saturated. Yeah, I agree. The limited thing, and, and this kind of goes back to something we were talking about earlier as far as TAA releases and things like that is it's 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 kind of that, uh, um, 
you know that that saying that when everything's special that means nothing is yeah if everything's a limited release then uh, it, it it everything just becomes noise and there, yeah and then so, sometimes factories will you'll start to see and i've seen this with a couple blends and they fortunately bounce back but sometimes you see a brand that puts so much time and effort and stock into their limiteds that then you go back and you smoke some of the recent uh, production runs of their regular stuff and it's lacking. And uh, I, I think sometimes they put too, so much time and effort and, and maybe even steal some of the, the premium, you know, bales of tobacco and put it into the limited stuff that then, you go and you try the the regular production stuff and you think okay this this is kind of it it seems like these aren't up to snuff like they they were a year ago or two years ago or five years ago and i i, I understand the limited stuff and and it moves product i get that but um i i also appreciate when brands put their their uh their their regular production stuff at the forefront yeah, I think, you know, the guy who really created the craze with this is Pete Johnson. And because when he was doing it, that was a true boutique, what he was doing. Right. He was building projects for these stores. Yeah. And it was taking a lot of time of him, I mean, to do it. And I think eventually he realized he couldn't do it. Now he's kind of changed his model where he'll release it early to a store and then go natural. But think about things like the Tatawai Anarchy, the CQ1, you know, the pork tenderloin. I mean... Yeah. These were just like, I mean, these were limited cigars that were competing with the best of the best. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, and I think a lot of people tried to emulate that, but then they realized they could take some shortcuts. So I and a factory would tell them, hey, I got this cigar sitting in the factory. It's really good. And I'm not saying it's not, but I think it loses a little luster when that happens uh, because it's not like this project that, if a pet, like Pete, I think, treats these like pet projects, and there's a lot of TLC that goes into that. I know it's not a corny, but I really think he does that, and I still think he does yes. that. I don't think he's ever gotten away from that. Yeah. And I've never, I've never noticed that with with Tatuaje because my father is 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 a really big factory, and they have a lot of tobaccos to choose from, and and so for the regular production stuff from Tatuaje and my father, I I haven't noticed any of them lacking because of a lot of limited production stuff no I, I i i totally agree with that so uh garrett do you think is it is, is it, it is it time it is i think i'm gonna let you do it so we don't uh talk over each other all right so it is time for numero de los muertos and i can't get my sound cue to play i don't know why the sound bum, bum, bum. Yeah, thank you <laughs> thank you Thank you. Yeah, my my sound cue decided that was, to play right now. <laughs> that, that was a lame. That was a lame substitution. There. No, that was fantastic. I love that. Yeah, I don't know why the sound cue didn't play. So, but uh, as always, guys, this is Numero de los Muertos, brought to us by our friends at Smoke In Cigars. So take just a few seconds and watch this info from Smoke In.
So it is time for Numero de los Muertos brought to us by Smoke In. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? All right. This week, the number is 72 people a year die from this in the U.S. All right. 72 people. As always, viewers, uh, leave guesses in the comments. Play along with us. Uh, try to stay away from Google. Let's make it, uh, let's make it an honest game. Yep. Uh, so, Coop, what uh, what are you thinking here right off the bat? Yeah, I'm not going to guess this like I did last time. Um, 72 people die a year of this. I'm just going to go something crazy, changing a tire. Ooh. No, it's not, but that's a really good one. That's I'm a good one. To, we'll have to add that. that. Yeah. Uh, Josh guessed grilling accidents. Great guess. Not not what we're looking for. Also a very good topic. Uh, Chad with camping. Nope, not camping. All right, 72 people in the U.S. Um, are these workplace accidents? Not they working. are not. Uh, is it uh, medical or viral in nature? It is not. No. Law enforcement. Ooh. No. Okay. Eric says trash compactors. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a good one. That is. Not it. Um, no, Michael Scott is not involved in the statistic. <laughs> um, uh, is it, the, uh, are vehicles involved? No. No vehicles. Is it a recreational activity? It is. Okay. Is it a spectator sport? It can be. Is it an individual sport or is it teams? It can be both. Okay. But it's usually an individual. Eric says rock climbing. It is not rock climbing. Is it, is it golfing? It is a it is a TV sport. Um No, not not normally. I'm gonna say this one because I just saw a show. I just saw the Sopranos on this uh, archery. Ooh! Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good guess. It's not archery. Okay, it's not archery. Um, we've also got uh, Steve. Uh, it's not racing cars. It's not shoveling snow. Is it something? Is it a winter sport? Mm-hmm. It is. Sorry, I'm back. Um, winter sports. Um, luge. Mm -mm. Biathlon. Josh Jones with the win. Is that? Oh, is it? Uh, what, what? Skiing. It is skiing. Wow. Wow. Okay. I was thinking biathlon or something like that with skiing. Wow. I thought it would have been higher. And Steve I'd... guessed the same thing. Good guess. Yeah. Skiing. That's, uh, yeah. I would have thought skiing deaths would have been higher. Yeah. Yep. In the U.S., on average, five-year average, it's 72. I just watched something, too, on Bill Johnson. You know, he had that uh, 
really bad accident when he came back and it incapacitated him and eventually led to his death, but it wasn't, he didn't die instantly. Wow. That's a, um, that was a good one. And it's one of the, it, so the statistic, um, it, it's cre- because it's one of the, um, the amount of hospital visits versus death is so far apart in skiing. It's like in the hundreds of thousands of hospital visits for skiing, but that can be anything from a sprain, you know, on up. Yeah. But um, so only 72 a year. See, I always remember, and you guys probably remember this too, back in the uh, in the 70s and 80s, the uh, ABC's Wide World of Sports. Yep. <laughs> the uh, the intro the intro for Wide World of Sports, the thrill of victory and agony of defeat, and the agony of defeat was always that ski jumper. Yep. Who, who who went went ass over tea kettle and and looked like uh, you looked at that person and you were like, "There's no way that person lived through that." They did, but right, but it was horrifying to watch. They had the they, when they did the anniversary show. I remember they brought him on. They actually brought really? him on for an interview. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a 25th anniversary. I mean, I miss Wide World Sports. Talk about something, love, but yeah, yeah. And I, I always thought the guy was dead. I figured the guy was dead for sure. Yeah, oh, um, absolutely. And then in, in the images, that opening segment, that was the image everyone talked about with that. Yeah. And I mean, that, he looked like a rag doll. Yeah. That, a, but the funny thing is that never, even though I really don't ski, that was something that I always thought if I was going to try a winter sport, I would want to do ski jumping because it just when they actually had a good jump and landed it, I thought that looks like so much fun. But then when they don't land it, not so much fun. Mm-mm. Yeah. Not no. so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, try, I mean, I went on a ski trip once and I was the guy who ended up wanting to hang around the cigar lounge, uh, not cigar, the, the ski lodge trying to meet yeah. That was me. You know, <laughs> I, 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 believe me, I was like, I got very frustrated trying to go on the bunny trail and that was my end of skiing. <laughs> yeah. So, but I had more fun in the lodge hanging out. So. Yeah, I, I skied exactly. So my wife uh, grew up skiing, and we didn't. She and I didn't meet until we were in our twenties. But bef- prior to that, a few years prior to that, my my girlfriend at the time, not my wife, uh, she also grew up skiing and took me skiing for the first time, and that was the first and only time I've ever been skiing, and I probably will never go back because I had such a horrible experience. Because she took me down the bunny hill one time, and then she left to go ski the you know fancy fun right. black diamonds and left me there and i spent the next two hours and it was really it was super cold and they weren't putting any new snow on the slopes and it was icy and hard pack and awful and i had great yep. bruises, bruises on both sides of my butt and then we met up in the lodge you know a couple hours later and i was just sitting there in a pool of sweat like, hope you had fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah. When I grew up, uh, you know, uh, snowboarding. So, um, you know, snowboarded junior high, high school, and then, you know, in my 20s a little. Um, but after I got married and had, you know, we had kids and um, I didn't go snowboarding for several years. And yeah. then I went back to the slopes. Um, 
for a work thing. And I was like super excited to, to go again. And I remember I got off the lift and, you know, it, it, a lot of it is just such muscle memory. You know, you, you get off and I uh, sat on my butt to do my bindings and I went to sit up and I was like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> I, I couldn't sit up because of the gut that I had grown over the years. <laughs> and I had to do, I had to get up on my knees uh, all over again. And uh, yeah, getting old is not fun. Yeah. Now, now, that I'm, now that I'm old and fat and all my joints are basically made of like jello, I don't think, I don't think I should be getting back on skis or a snowboard anytime soon. No. And I tried to look at statistics for snowboarding and I couldn't find anything solid enough to uh, stake this uh, segment on. So, but the closest I could find that gave somewhat of a decent answer was uh, 23 a year uh, from snowboarding. I actually know a guy who broke his neck snowboarding. Um, fortunately he recovered fully, but he was, uh, he was in the hospital for three weeks and then he had an, he had to wear a brace, one of those full like halo braces for, I think another three months and, but he, he's been fine ever since, but I don't think he's been back on the slopes since then. And that was probably 20 years ago. I, I tell you, when it comes to the Olympics, I'm not a big Olympics, winter Olympics guy. But the downhill, mm-hmm. I just love that event. Yeah. One, you get one shot at it. Yeah. And it is just it's so exciting to watch that. Uh, I prefer that over the slaloms and the, and the jumps. To me, that downhill, I love it. Yeah. Lindsey Vaughn, Minnesota. That's right. Minnesota girl. Those speeds they get up to are un, just unbelievable. It's mind-boggling. It's, in- yeah. it's insane. Yeah, it really is. So that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> oh, you got it. There, see, I got it to play this time. I don't know why I wouldn't play there this. There you time. go. So, um, so let's go into the lightning round. So last time we had you on, Coop, we had some lightning round questions, but we've added some on so that we have some fresh questions for you. Okay. Um, if you could bring back any fashion trend from the past, what would it be? 60s mini skirts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm picturing Coop in a 60s mini skirt right now. No, no, no. I, the, the view. You asked it wasn't what I would wear, it was what what trend. And I, I would bring it back. I I love those those sixties mini skirts. <laughs> I like them too. Uh, I prefer them on girls, but that's just me. That's just me. I well, only <laughs> on girls, only on only on girls, and, and only on beautiful girls. Not everyone. The mini skirt is not for everybody. Yeah, they're not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to choose wisely. All right. Who was your biggest childhood or teenage celebrity crush? Oh, that's easy. Farrah Fawcett. Oh yeah. The, did you have the classic poster? Absolutely. I had the poster. I wanted the T-shirt, and my, my mom wouldn't let me get it, and my dad convinced her to give me the sketch of the T-shirt. Not with the, with the iron-on photo, but, but with a, like a pencil sketch of it. So I had that. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to wear it to school. 
but it was. I mean, I love Farrah. When Farrah didn't come back to Charlie's Angels, it broke my heart. Yeah, she was. Well, this the show kind of fell apart after she left. Anyway, it, it did. I did. I did like um, Tanya Roberts. Uh, unfortunately, passed away. I really did like yeah. Tanya Roberts, but the show wasn't as good. By that I, point, that was no, the last year. Farrah Fawcett. She was only two seasons. One. One. It was just she, one. She yeah. came back for like a couple of guest appearances, though. Yeah. I was actually always a Jacqueline Smith guy. I, I, she was. Yeah, Jacqueline kind of took over for me after that. You know, if you ask me who my favorite was after that, it was it was Kelly Garrett. You know, it was Jacqueline Smith, the Jacqueline Smith character. Yeah. All right. If uh, if you could add any person's face to Mount Rushmore, and it could literally be anybody, any human being's face to Mount Rushmore, who would it be? Political or not, doesn't matter. Um, I don't want to go political because I'm gonna piss people off. So I'm gonna try to go non-political here. Sylvester Stallone. Wow. Stallone. Yeah. That's a big one. I like that. Yeah. I like, like that. Like circa Rocky Stallone. Yeah. Or... You know, I would say maybe let's put him in the Rocky Three when he got his face cleaned up. You know, and okay. he had the nice hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I would put. Yeah, I mean, I put. I don't want to say. Because if I just put it, I'm just going to piss someone off, and I don't want to go to it. But, yeah, I put Celeste Stallone on there. I like or that. you could do the Rambo with the... With the headband, yeah. The headband. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's talking about doing this prequel right now, which I'm pretty excited yeah. about. He's not doing Creed, so... Uh, but I think it was time to kind of move on from that part, too. Yeah, I still have to... I actually haven't seen either... The first or the second Creed movies, yeah, with uh, with, with you, Michael B. Jordan. I've heard they're good. I just haven't taken the time yeah. to watch them yet, so I need must to must watch them. must. But at the at the second one, you'll you'll see some hints, and I won't. I put them online. You'll see hints how I knew I knew coming out of the theater that was Stallone's last run. It not and it was not because he was sick or dying in the movie. There yeah. was a couple of things that happened that you realize this was it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me of that uh, Spaceballs uh, little. Uh, news motif. Yeah, when uh, they're in the ship and the news is on, and it says, "And now, preview of Rocky five thousand. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we were, we were always wondering back in the in the eighties and nineties how many Rockies were were gonna finally finally come out, and he, yeah, it's still going. Yeah, you know, I there's one other guy I put on Mount Rushmore. Uh, and he's a Minnesota guy. He lives in Minnesota now. He's an athlete, and it's Greg Lamont. Oh, the cyclist, yeah. Yeah, his story is incredible. This guy was a winner throughout his whole career. He had, unfortunately, some bad luck with a hunting accident. Yep. Um, just, man, because I, I was a big cycling guy in the 80s. That's before really the problems happened, and Greg was a huge, huge inspiration. Yeah, I was never really big into watching it, but I do remember – the few times that I watched the the Tour de France was was when he was when he was the kind of the domination factor in that in yeah. that sport. And yeah. um it's it's I, I always thought it was cool to see, you know, somebody come out and just absolutely, you know, take a sport by storm. And he really did that. Yeah. I mean he the eighty nine tour, um where he won it by eight seconds, it's probably the greatest single sporting I ever performance I ever saw. It was it, to, for him to come back the way he did that day. 
uh, beating one of the best guys in the world, and and he was clean. That was the one thing. He was a clean cyclist. So yeah, because uh, they were testing guys back then a lot too. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's move into this week's notable smokable. And as always, notable smokable is brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime. Ace Prime, notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So uh, let's get started with uh, Notable Smokables this week. And uh, Coop, why don't you take it away with uh, your first one? Yeah, so this is a limited release. It's a very limited release um, by a very small company uh, working with a very good factory. Uh, the cigar is called The Art of Magic. It's by Rockefeller Cigars. Mm. Uh, they're working with the Tabsa factory. It's a San Andreas Maduro blend over um, Nicaraguan binder and filler. And the one thing what I'll really say about that cigar is, first of all, it's fantastic, right? At least my, 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 my first impression of it. I didn't review it, but, but it was a throwback to some of the Aganorsa Maduro releases about six or seven years ago. Okay. Um, and when I talked to Kevin Schweitzer about it, and he was asking my opinion, and I said this was a throwback to the, that Aganorsa Maduros that were out like about seven years ago. The Casa Fernandez in Miami, the Aganorsa Leaf Maduros. That's exactly what he was looking for with this cigar. Um, and those, those are some of the best Aganorsa releases I've had. So not to say they don't do good cigars, but I, that was the one that hit my profile the best. This was a really, really good cigar. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, I, I was blown away by it. Very cool. Uh, Garrett, what was one you had this week? <clears throat> I'm going to go with uh, the David, the uh, Tabernacle um, by Foundation, David. Um, I was playing poker Saturday night, and I started the night out and was just rocking it. And then we started playing some dumb games. <laughs> And I ended up uh, buying back in, and I lit up a David, and everything just started going well. The cigar was awesome. It was on point, and the chip started falling my way, which always adds to the experience, right? Because yeah, it's an experience. And uh, no, it was a it was my first time having the David, and it was fantastic. Yeah, um, my first one. Uh, that I can recall was uh, that I put on my notes here. Um, I actually had, I smoked it at the exact same poker game was the uh, Fratello Arlequin. Mm. And um, I, I, so earlier in earlier that day on Saturday, Garrett and I went to big apple cigar and pipe here in forest Lake. And uh, I picked up a handful of cigars. And one of those was that Fratello Arlequin. And it was, it was okay. I'm not going to say that it was a bad cigar because it wasn't a bad cigar. It performed well. It burned well. It drew well. Good smoke output. But it was it was just somewhat underwhelming from a total flavor perspective. Um, I was hoping for more, but it was still a good cigar. It was, it's a cigar that um, I would smoke again, but maybe wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to buy more of them, but it's a cigar I would smoke again. I have to I have that coming up for review. It's interesting. I haven't smoked it yet, but I have that one coming okay. up for review. Very um, soon, yeah. Did you have anything else recently, Coop, on your Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, another one I had, and this I haven't this is one of the first time I smoked it, 
but I did review it earlier this year, and it was, I was really turned on to it from from the Half Wheel guys because they gave this a number. I think it was number three cigar. Uh, it's the Aventura Royal Return, the Queen's Pearls, uh, in the mm. Corona size. So that's a it's a premium Connecticut shade cigar that they're making, um, and. Wow. I mean, and, and this is what I'm smoking more because it's scored very high, and I want to see how it's performing right now. And it's continuing to just perform well for me. Um, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I, you know, this notion of um, – I've heard this year of the Connecticut. I think the Connecticut's have been pretty weak the past few years. I haven't been blown away by a lot of Connecticut's. This one's one that just wowed me a lot. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm just – it's a great Corona size. Um, I'm enjoying the heck out of them right now. Yeah, and you know, good stuff. Aventura has been one of those that I have been, I've been smoking a lot of lately. Um, really love what Henderson is doing. Um, yeah, putting out a fantastic product. Yeah, I agree. They have a Maduro uh, called the the what is it? The King's King's Gold, which yeah, is also very King's good. Gold. Yeah, love. that's a very good one too. Broadleaf, they did. Yeah, and um, the, the aluminum bands, I kind of dig. I dig them too. You know the. the I, you know, when I first smoked the Aventura, I didn't realize it was aluminum right away. Right? Yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. A little, they're a little tricky to get off. That's my only complaint about them. So you got to be a little patient. Just don't yep. rip them off. Let a little heat get under it, and you'll be able to yep. get them off. But, yeah. So one of the things I noticed with those, those aluminum bands is similar to some other bands that are paper that, that are not super easy to get off is you wait until the burn line gets right above where the band yep. is. Yep. And then you slide it up over the lit end of the cigar. Yep. And no, no issues. Um, uh, Garrett, did you have another notable this week? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's the same one you had either last week or the week before, uh, the Taser. Hmm. Um, Matt graciously gifted me uh, a couple Tasers, smoked one. I'm going to sit on one for a while. And, um, Smoked that one the other night, and man, uh, Dojo, when they collab, I, I would say they, they hit um, they hit a triple, if not a home run, most of the time. And that cigar, for me, just really hit well. It was, uh, it was smooth and then spicy and delicious. Yeah, I think they did a good job with that one. And that sort of, it's kind of a series with protocol. You know, they had the canine and then they had the nightstick and now the, the taser. Um, and I didn't try the canine. I heard the canine was phenomenal, but I canine did was good. the nightstick and I enjoyed the nightstick. Um, I thought the taser was, was better than the nightstick as, as good as the nightstick was. I think the taser is a little better. My opinion. Um, I haven't had the taser. I was a little disappointed with the nightstick. I thought it was good, but um, very. It's a very heavy cigar. It's very. I, I mean, and by heavy, I mean it's it's very heavy on the palate. It's yeah, it is. It, it's it's um, so it's it's got to be. Uh, I I have to have kind of the right combination of things going on when I smoke that nightstick because it there's so so much depth and 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 heaviness to it. But the 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 taser was. I thought more refined from a flavor and texture perspective than the, there was the, more transitions in the taser yeah. than I think in the nightstick. I also, I didn't have the, the canine either, but yeah. Canine was really good. The and my, was- uh, my last notable for the week was the, um, 
a, a brand I had not tried before. I haven't tried any of their regular production stuff. This was a limited that they did for the uh, Pravada Cigar Club. Uh, it's uh, from Blackbird Cigars, and it's called the Vince. And it's just a simple footband ribbon with an eight ball on it. And um, I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, very, very rich, very deep cigar, but I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so it makes me want to try some of their other stuff. So I'll be uh, looking, uh, looking around for some of their other stuff to try. Can I, um, I just want to bring up one thing here and ask, yeah. you know, both your opinion. Um, I feel like we are in a, a real craft renaissance with everything from beers to wines. And that certainly includes cigars with all coop. Do you get a chance to really try some of the, the new small guys, new guys coming out, um, doing stuff, trying to get into the cigar industry. And what do you think about this new resurgence of all these new, uh, boutique and small brands coming out? I have mixed feelings about it. Um, because I just think I go back again to the Pete Johnson model. We've gotten away from that. So now it's this, I think a lot of, unfortunately, I don't like the fact that I'm seeing a lot of the boutiques as basically the factory overruns or not, or just mm. excess stuff that's in the factory. Um, not to say it's not a good cigar, but it's getting harder to get excited about that. And I sometimes see these things priced at a point where. You know, I, I just question if it's good. People know I'm not a fan of craft paper bundles. Um, it's not that I hate the cigars. It's not that I, I hate it because you can't really. I'd rather have a cello bundle where I could see the cigar inside, right? Um, and they're, they're they're terrible retail unfriendly, right? And I hate being the guy to go pick stuff out of a of a bundle that's in there too. Um, so I think there's there's some of that that's getting, but there are companies that are doing some good stuff with that with with the craft stuff. Uh, again, we, I just mentioned Aventura right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll put Ace Prime into some of that stuff. I love that Dominique Wilkins cigar, and I still can put that into that category. It's not a huge production they're doing. They mm -hmm. do that cigar, as well as the Luciano. Um, you know, so I think there's some good Espinosa is doing some of that um, as well. So. It's a mixed bag, is what I'm kind of saying with it. Um, yeah. I I kind of uh, I kind of would like to see us get back to more of hey, let's work on a project and really kind of come out with it, and that's what I'll consider like that true craft piece as opposed to a small batch piece, which may not take that model into account. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah. Um. So that's this week's notable smokable brought to you by Ace Prime. Improving lives through fine cigars. Visit aceprime.com to learn more. So for our viewers and listeners, we're going to give you guys a little bit of an idea of some cool stuff we have coming up soon. Uh, this Saturday, the 17th, we're going to have another special Saturday show where we have Jeremiah Mirfell on the show. Ooh. He was originally scheduled to be on but had a scheduling a last minute scheduling problem so we are all set to have him back on the show on saturday and then coming up a week from tonight on april 19th we're going to talk to skip martin and mike rosales from roma craft back and find out all the cool stuff about the upcoming weasel fest uh then on april 26th we have cynthia fuente the first lady of cigars uh, so excited that we had a chance to talk to Carlito and now we're just 
we're now we're excited to get to know the whole Fuente family and and uh, excited to have her on the show. And then uh, looking forward all the way into uh, the middle of May, uh, we just confirmed May 17th, uh, Monday night, we're going to have Indiana Ortez on the show. There you go. Big, big news coming out that she, uh, uh, you know, she's she's been making a name for herself uh, as as we've discussed before. She is truly one of the rising stars in the cigar industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has just recently been announced uh, that she has uh, uh, been brought into the Mombacho Cigars family. And she is, uh, uh, if I believe that I'm getting this right, the director of operations now for, uh, for Mombacho Cigars uh, out of uh, Granada, Nicaragua. Uh, and excited for her and to, you know, for somebody, she's just a kid, I mean, really, but, but at the same time, she is <clears throat> extremely driven and extremely knowledgeable and comes from a family of, of great tobacco lineage. And uh, uh, so I think it's a cool new chapter and we're excited to learn about that from her. Uh, so Coop, give us uh, give us an idea of some cool stuff you have coming up on, uh, on your shows and uh, where everybody can stay in touch with what you have going on. Well, yep, you can go um, to uh, cigar-coop.com and, and reach everything. Uh, you can always go to the Cigar Coop Facebook page, the Cigar Coop Twitter account, which is Cigar underscore Coop. The Instagram account is Cigar underscore Coop as well. Um, but you always can find everything on the main page of Cigar hyphen Coop. Uh, tomorrow night, we have uh, we have a panel discussion, uh, and we're going to be featuring uh, next generation cigar makers from different countries. So um, we have George Rico, who's going to represent Honduras. And we have Klaus Kellner, who's going to represent the Dominican Republic. We were supposed to have Juan Martinez uh, on as well from Nicaragua. Um, unfortunately, he cannot be on that show. Um, and and it, it, we, you know, that's totally, it was a very understandable reason, I'll just say that. Um, so, you know, that's not, but we're going to be doing that show tomorrow anyway. Uh, I think we're just going to go with the two just because prep time is going to be a little tough at this point to get someone else in. Of what we did. So we have that. And that's going to be on Special Edition 97 tomorrow night. Uh, which is uh, April 13th. April 15th is the four-year anniversary show. Uh, Steve Saka is coming on. Uh, we're going to be doing our industry deliberations with him. So we're not going to be, you know, we're really not going to talk much about the brands here as much as him. It's, it's kind of get those Saka-isms. Saka weighing in on things. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the whole show because deliberations were like a very unique segment that we introduced from year one and it was kind of funny when Steve, Steve I was talking to Steve he wanted to do a show like this and I kind of was able to, to time it for him to do the four-year show on that so a little bit of a different show we'll do with that uh, for folks following primetime jukebox um, Monday we have our battle of the bands pregame show We've been doing Battle of the Bands. I know Garrett's been very involved with it. Um, it's uh, come and Dave and I. We have bracket winners, and we just kind of preview it, and then we'll put the final matchup on the twentieth. Um, so the show's on the nineteenth. It looks like like Frank Sinatra is in the final from my bracket. It looks like the other person's going to be Jimi Hendrix right now, who's got a pretty big lead. So it's going to be Frank Sinatra versus Jimi Hendrix, as odd a combination or not a final matchup as you're going to get. So, um, uh, yeah, so you want to tune into that, and, and uh, you'll be able to vote. One other thing I'll mention, um, 
I am going to be doing a written piece on Cigar Coop. I'm hoping to get it out this week. I did a phone interview with Armand DeSante oh, yeah. uh, last Friday. Um, so I'm going to – it's it's more of uh, getting a little more perspective of Armand in the industry. Yes, he's got a new project. He's, it's in the conceptual phases right now. Um, and I'll have some info of what he's looking for. But he was just a fascinating conversation uh, and a very easy talk. We're hoping to get him on the podcast. <laughs> So we'll see what happens with that, but right, and I think we have a shot at it. But but the written piece should be coming out in the next week. Nice, yeah. I saw I saw your post about the that uh, telephone interview, and we're excited to yeah that and, yeah and, and see that. This guy is like legit. Um, he's so and he's so into cigar rights, um, and and he does know the industry. And he had a brand Oro Viva, uh, he did with Victor Vitali, and you know, unfortunately, Victor's uh, distribution kind of. Uh, didn't work out, uh, but that was a really good cigar that he came out with. Uh, and Armand was pretty. When you talk to him, he's very hands involved with this. He understands the process with this, so uh, it's great. He's uh, he's now uh, talks talking with Placencia right now. Oh, fantastic! So, yeah, I still think uh, Nirvana versus Stevie Wonder was unfair. <laughs> Why was it unfair? Oh, because I'm seeding. Because well, Dave seeded that. That's the argument you got to take with Dave. I uh, know. Yeah, I don't agree with the seeding. I think uh, Stevie Wonder should have been seated higher. Uh, I agree. I thought yeah. Springsteen should have been seated higher, um, oh. as oh. well. Uh, I thought he was a little high with Taylor Swift with the seeding. Uh, <laughs> but last year, last year, I, I don't know why I ended up doing. I ended up putting Prince as a 13 seed, and he went to the Elite Eight. Uh, yeah. so, so I was a little hard on Prince last year. Uh, a lot of people said, I, and I definitely missed it. And Pink Floyd was nine, and I think I underestimated that. So, so we all do that. But yeah, uh, but yeah. Stevie almost pulled that matchup out. That was amazing. He did. Yeah, it was a tight race. Yeah. Prince, Prince is a one seed in my book. 100%. Well, he, he got crashed by Elvis Presley this year. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I had, know. I had in my final. I thought it was going to be Prince and Prince, and I thought Dave was going to have Springsteen. That's what I thought we were looking at. Well, I didn't, uh, and and not to not to throw gasoline on a fire, but in my opinion, Springsteen shouldn't even be on the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on mine. I like Springsteen. <laughs> my opinion, but uh, Coop, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. We had thank you very much with you, and and uh, we uh, we uh, we always love learning from you and uh, and talking to you on the show and. Um, we look forward to uh, more conversations, and uh, we always we always watch and listen when you guys uh, when you guys do your shows. And uh, congratulations again on four years, yes. and here's to Thank many you. more. Thank you very much. I said uh, honor to be on the show. Um, look forward to doing more of these shows. Uh, and uh, yeah, appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. So uh, for all our viewers and listeners, as always, thank you guys so much for spending the time with us uh, live on Facebook and live on YouTube. If you're watching after the or sorry, if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for listening uh, on your favorite audio podcast platform. Take just a minute and subscribe to all our channels and make sure to follow us on social media at HBT Cigars. And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you.